Hey. Hello. Hello. It's Chet. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. You know me, I'm Chet Czar. Bringing you this podcast every week. Interviewing dark artists and all kinds of artists from around the world. I am tired. I, I've just finished all of my paintings for the administrator's show at Bain Art Gallery, Bain Art Gallery in Australia. So I'm excited about that. But I still have to paint all the frames and I have to ship everything this week. It's Sunday night right now. I'm recording this intro for the interview I did, I think, on Friday with Sig Neutron. You might know Sig Neutron from Face Off. He was on the show Face Off, and he was on the other Face Off show, the like the All Stars Face Off All Stars. Anyway, we had a really cool conversation, and be prepared because it goes in some really weird places and some really trippy kind of spirituality sort of stuff. So. Just be aware. We're going to go there. But it was really fun. Really interesting guy. And pretty fascinating story, really. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I got to paint those frames. Got to cast one up tomorrow, paint them, and ship this week. And then I'm going to take two days off, and then I'm going to start back on the dystopia book. And I'm going to start back on the study commissions I pre-sold from a while back. Yeah, it's just never ending. But it's fine. I'm, 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 I'm managing. I'm, I'm doing it. Okay, let's get into uh, new subscribers to the Patreon this week. If you want to subscribe... You can go to patreon.com slash darkartsociety and you can subscribe for only a dollar if you want. A lot of people subscribe at the $3 level, the $5 level. We've got even some $10 and $50 people who are amazing and they are supporting this podcast so you can listen to it for free. So if you don't support the Patreon, you should be thanking them. Because that's why you can listen to it. Um, anyway, so we've got some new subscribers. Where did I stop last time? I think I stopped at Sean McKinney. Yeah. So I'll say his name again. Sean McKinney, thank you. Sean Parks. Pledged. Oh, here's a deleted pledge. Dustin Bonnevere. Or Bonnevert. But it looks French to me. It looks like Bon Iver. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Sean. Okay, and then finally we have Jason Giutari. That's what it looks like to me. G-I-U-T-T-A-R-Y. Gitari. Gitari? Gitari? Jason, maybe you can... Chime in on the in the in the Facebook 
Dark Art Society Collective page and let me know how to pronounce your name. Same with you, Dustin. If, let me know if I said it right. When you join the Patreon, you get uh, entry into the Facebook group, which is pretty cool. Lots of exciting stuff happening in there, and, and you have to be a, a part of the Patreon to get in there. And also the artists who have been interviewed on the program are in there as well. So you can ask them questions and chat and stuff and talk about the nature of dark art and other things, all things art, because we love art. Okay, let's get to the five questions. I'm going to keep this one short because it's 11 o'clock and I still need to go and try and paint one of these frames. All right. Lorenzo Payan. You have to pick out two CDs from Amoeba. What do you get? That is really difficult. I would say, man, it would either be, that's well, really hard to choose two. Mm, I'll say the album Wrong by No Means No and Double Nickels on the Dime by The Minutemen. Those are both epic albums, and they're kind of long. They have a lot of songs on them. But then that leaves out Devo. It leaves out The Beatles. That leaves out a bunch of other my favorite albums. So, But I guess if I, if I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with those two. Okay. Here's another question. Caleb Osgood Deal. A while back, you and Mike talked about a start a chapter tier for the Patreon. Is that something still in the works? Well, it's in, I wouldn't say it's in the works, but it is in the, it's in my mind. It's just a matter of resources and time, you know, I haven't had it. I'm still you know, running the, the podcast by myself, mostly. Um, I have a little bit of help. Brian Kilgore does this, the audio, which is amazing. That's a huge help. And um, um, uh, Josh, uh, is it Josh Clark? Josh Clark is running the the Dark Art Society Cooperative. He kind of moderates that. But as far as, you know, anything extra for the for the podcast and the Patreon, it's a little bit tough right now. But I'm trying, you know, I'm really, really trying because of Patreon, because of my own Patreon, which is, you've heard this a million times, but it's patreon.com slash chetzar. And because um, of these Patreons, I'm trying to get everything done that I have commissions, the dystopia book, everything else I got to do. I'm trying to get everything done this year. So next year I will kind of be free and clear to do more things like that. I'm not saying it's going to be a year before that start a chapter tier pops up, but at this point I can't see past this week to be honest. But the idea was that at a certain level, you could join and 
have get some resources to start a little dark art society chapter in your town wherever you live i think that would be really cool with maybe some kind of you know uh, membership cards and stickers and pamphlets you know i don't know a registry for all the different chapters i mean this is just kind of what we were talking about and thinking about and i think when the website is done which it's actually getting pretty close to being done i think it's probably going to be pretty cl close to to launch soon i think it looks really great so i think that website will help with that aspect of it building the community and um having resources for people that maybe want to start chapters but like i said i'm i'm stretched so thin right now um so you know i'm doing the best i can that's all I can say. Uh, let's see here. Another question. That was two questions. Okay. Aaron Bogarin. <laughs> Love these questions about artists that should be known. Also wondering if we could get a way to link artists, or at least their spelling, that are mentioned within the podcast. I've been able to find the majority, but some have eluded me. And not to put some extra work on chat or anything, but if people are listening, knew an artist they could comment on SoundCloud or something, knew an artist they could comment on SoundCloud or something, I think that would be neat. I think that would be neat too. And in the perfect world, and one day when I get to that point where there's there's a staff maybe for the podcast, and you know, I, I see it in my mind how the podcast should be very professional with all the artists, you know, listed. But at this point, if I did that, it would be a monthly podcast and not a weekly podcast because I, I just don't have time to do it. But, you know, if somebody wanted to volunteer from the dark art society, you know, some, a Patreon member or someone in the community, you know, you could maybe someone could maybe volunteer to do stuff like that. Um, I suppose you would, what would you get out of that? You would get to hear the podcast a little early and you would get the satisfaction of knowing that you're helping your fellow dark artists. So, hey, I'm putting it out there. If anybody wants to take that on, I would be happy to have the help. Jace Daniels, favorite monsters design. Doesn't have to be from cinema. I have to say, you know, I think it's Frankenstein's monster. That's kind of the, the big one for me. The original Jack Pierce makeup designed Frankenstein's monster, Boris Karloff. I just love it. It's so weird. The flathead it makes no sense, but it's super cool. And I think that's probably where I got my flathead guys from that I paint. Okay, one, two, three, four. Scott Holloway, uh, who's got a podcast of his own with Jessica Perner called the Painter's Loft podcast, Painting Loft, Painting, Painting, how is it? I don't want to get it wrong. Painter's Loft. The Painter's Loft podcast. Oh no, the painting loft. 
the painting loft podcast. It's actually really good. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's dark art centric, but, uh, they cover a lot of things that I don't cover on this podcast. I mean, I'm primarily interviewing artists and they're, they cover like art news, scandals and crimes in the art world and all kinds of cool stuff. Anyway, he asks, of the Godzilla genre, who do you like the most or least? Well, you know, I grew up on those Godzilla movies when I was a little kid. They would play them on the, this is back when there was, you know, Channel 2, Channel 4, Channel 5, Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 11, Channel 13, and then a bunch of weird channels up above 13 or actually not even a bunch, just a handful of weird local stations. And some of those weird local stations would play the Godzilla movies. And I was into it. I remember the smog monster was cool. But, you know, my favorite, I, I, I don't know which ones I like the least, but my favorite Godzilla type movie was the war of the gargantuas with the brown gargantua and the the green gargantua uh i love that one it's also a little uh a little side note it has that song a song called okay there's this woman singing at some point, I think it's on a cruise ship. This song called The Words Get Stuck in My Throat. It's a super cheesy 60s song. And then one of the gargantuas grabs her and eats her and then spits her clothes out. And I just thought that was so cool when I was a kid. Oh, my God. I thought that was amazing. And Devo, one of my favorite bands, does a cover of that song. They used to play that song live which is pretty amazing. That just shows how cool Devo is or was. So that's just a little bit of trivia. You know, you don't, you may not know this about me, but I, my wife gives me shit all the time about it. I am like, when it comes to music of sixties, seventies and eighties, I'm like my a music trivia nerd. I don't know how it happened. I never intended it, but I, you know, Growing up, I was really into music and I'd buy vinyl because that's what we bought back then, vinyl records. I would read all the liner notes. I knew who the producers were. And I and I also know like the names of all these cheesy bands in the 70s. I don't know, you know, the, the people in the bands. I, I, you know, you could ask me any weird musical question about like pop music in the 70s and even in the 80s and some 60s and I probably know it. So that's another weird little thing you may not have known about me. Not that that matters. Anyway, that's it for the five questions, I think. Okay, let's get on with the Sig Neutron interview. Like I said, it's it's a it was really interesting and fun, and I and I really uh, like Sig and love what he's doing. So, all right, I hope you enjoy it, and thank you for listening. Sig Neutron, what's up? Hey, man. How's it going? Good. I'm so glad to have you on. I've been wanting to have you on for a long time. So thank yeah. you. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah. Yeah. You're uh, uh, you're just such a cool guy. 
I always <laughs> oh. see at the shows, the Monster Palooza, and I don't know. We just have kind of known each other through these mutual friends and through gallery shows, and you've been in Conjoined, and mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I haven't really got to sit down and talk to you about your life, so I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's weird because like something every time I see you, something always feels like very familiar about you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Just like, hey, man, what's up? You totally. Know, like, yeah. We actually like sat down and talked, but. Yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, Chet. Yeah, I know Chet. I feel like we go way back. I know. I know. Yeah, you're (laughs) definitely one of those people for me as well where it's like you just feel like you know him right off the bat. It's it's a trip. It's weird. Life is weird. It sure is. (laughs) (laughs) I think I – I well, I'm definitely – I mean, we didn't know each other before Face Off, right? Uh, What what year were you on Face Off the first time? Shit. Uh, That's a good question. Was that like – Fuck, I can't even remember. Uh, 2014? Was it 14? Could be. Was it like the first season or? Yeah, it was. uh, That was season seven that I was on first time. And then they they brought me back for season 11 All Stars, which was like two years ago or something. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I got. I I, I watched the show at first because, you know, Jim Beinke was. kind of a super makeup effect supervisor or something. I'm not sure what uh-huh. his title was. Um, and then I just couldn't take it anymore because th- there's just, I, I would get so frustrated with the amount of time that you were given. And I was just like, I want to see really cool stuff. I don't want to see stuff that you just had to like pull out of your ass and like, you know, it's hard to make something look good, mm-hmm. you know, consistently. So it was like frustrated for me because you could see what the things could have been. And the yeah. ideas are really cool. And then it just, it just was such a, a bummer. Like I just, it just would have been like one more day or like a week per creation would have been amazing. You guys would have yep. been able to do, you know, amazing stuff every time. And then it would have been a real, um, I don't know if you give someone a week to do something, then you could kind of see who's really the best. Don't you think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's uh, when I went into the show, I thought that they actually gave you a week to do everything because I was like, <laughs> being a part of the industry, there's like, there's no fucking way they do that shit in like two days. Come on. <laughs> no, you know? no way. <laughs> and then I get there and they're like, oh, you guys are going to have to do it in uh, two days, you know? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> crap. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I actually, I really liked it because um, for one, it was kind of like Christmas every morning, just get to wake up and then make monsters on somebody else's dime, you know, like right. the, the creative freedom, even though you had all of this pressure, uh, it was still like the pressure almost like pushed you to your own limits. And I actually learned a lot about myself as an artist and uh, there's different techniques and uh, different creative processes because of that pressure. Right. And uh, so it actually like I felt like I actually like we we always refer to it as like makeup like boot camp almost mm-hmm. because it just seems like you're just yeah that that carrot that's dangling in front of you you know that hundred <laughs> grand it's like it's, you know you just like really put everything into it and uh, like I made on season seven I made uh, we had to do kaiju monsters and I made a full creature suit with the makeup uh, a cowl and a face piece all in sixteen hours. That's insane. Like, I never would have thought I could do that, ever. Yeah, and, right. And somehow I fucking pulled off. I still look at that thing, and I'm like, how the fuck did I make that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is pretty amazing. I mean, in effects, it's like you'll get a day, you know, in a, in a super crunch on a film or something. Okay, you only have a day or two just to sculpt it. That's mm-hmm. like a really crazy deadline for yeah. the film industry. 
Yeah. But well, to do it, a whole creature in 16 hours is just insane. Yeah, because I mean, like, it, and you know, too, like, as, like as a part of the like effects industry, you're just kind of a cog in the machine. Like, you're right. you just you're the dude that sculpts it, or you're the dude that, that designs it, or the dude that molds it. Yeah. Or you know, you're never all of those dudes, especially right. in like two days. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, like they literally they'll introduce the challenge and they'll give you 30 minutes to draw something, and then after that 30 minutes, they're like, okay, and your time is is starts now, and it's just like. Oh my God. If you don't have an idea after 30 minutes, right. then you're like, uh, what do I do? The time is wasting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it, it's kind of cool because it's something to push you in like it, you know, and I think as artists, we, we need to push ourselves to, mm-hmm. uh, to grow and see we can never be comfortable, you know, because that's when, if you get comfortable and complacent, then you, you stop growing as an artist, right. I think. So it was really cool to just have that like crazy push, even yeah. though it's like super stressful but yeah yeah i imagine and it's and a, and a challenge it's always good to like challenge yourself you know mm-hmm. so um I'm sh- definitely seemed like a challenge and, and the, it, it was cool that you guys would you know every once in a while someone would make something like amazing and you're like mm-hmm. how did that happen that's <laughs> yeah. it's i just wanted to see more of that because it's like i i know what goes into this stuff and it's like you know, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't get off on the pressure part of it. It's like, I wanted yeah. to see the cool, more cool monster stuff, you know? Yeah. And well, in the timeline, it's, it's a grind, man. It's like, you'll have, you know, you'll have your first day of work, your second day of work. And then the third day is application and then, um, and then elimination. So you're all stressed out at the beginning of the day applying. And then at the end of the day, somebody goes home and it's always sad because like, actually like even though like we're competing against each other, we're all artists and right. actually like you form a bond with these people. Like that's why you always see everybody helping each other out. Right. Because like me personally, like I want to succeed against everybody else's best. Not right. because somebody's mold fucked up or something right. like, right. you know, I, like it feels like an empty win. Right. So it's like, you got to go through this emotion of like trying to get your own shit together and then dealing with somebody going home and their dreams being crushed. And then it literally you wake up and you start the cycle the very next day. Again. Right. So right. It's, just, it's like this crazy, like two and a half months long, like roller coaster of like stress, feeling cool <laughs> about something you made, getting sad. Somebody went home and then just uh, rinse and repeat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's some serious pressure, man. Yeah. Well, OK, we, we all know about you from face off, but I want to know, like, what's your history before face off? You know, yeah. what, what, when did, were you an art kid? Did you start when you were a kid? What, what, what's the deal? What's your story of your childhood and stuff? Yeah. So, um, I grew up in Indiana. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yep. What part of Indiana? So, uh, Newcastle, just south of Muncie. A lot of okay. people know where Muncie Indiana right. is. Um, pretty small town. Um, but I don't know. I was just inherently the weird kid from, from the get go. You? just kidding just kidding (laughs) no i you know it's it's funny because i like embrace that term oh yeah yeah absolutely everybody who comes on the show show is the weird kid (laughs) yeah um but uh basically yeah always into art i would always draw um even before i could i knew how to write i would actually like my grandma like she would sit down with me and i would tell her stories and she would write them down for me Oh, cool. So I like I just always had this like need to tell a story ever since I can remember. And um, 
you know, and if you really start thinking of like story is so important to culture and everything, oh, but yeah. you know, it's a wholly yeah. separate point. But, um, yeah. And then I would just like draw all the time in school. I did pretty okay. Um, but then I like, I don't know, you get your angsty teen years going and then I lose interest in like actual school and then just really focused on the art part. Right. And, um, you know, I did a lot of dark art during that period of time. And, uh, it was pretty badass because of my high school art teacher, she would like make sure that to hang it right in the front of like the school hallways. <laughs> really? So like, all, yeah, all the teachers and principals and stuff, they all thought that like I was like suicidal or I was a cutter or something. Because I would like have these paintings of like people's eyes exploding into blood and oh, like yeah. scissors and stuff. Like, I, I'm not sure why. I could just, totally relate. Just, yeah, it was just way. the shit that was coming out, you know? It wasn't a, yeah. really a reflection on me. As in my emotional or psychological state, it was just, you know, these things come from somewhere and you don't really know where. Right, right. And, you know, and I was putting it, I was putting it out and I was actually like a pretty, like, pretty happy kid. I don't know. But, you know, there was that weird, dark stuff I was channeling that I don't even know where it came from. But I uh, always loved drawing monsters. And then as soon as I graduated high school, I went straight to the Tom Savini makeup effects program in Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. How and was then, that? Uh, I actually, I really liked it. It was, uh, you know, the, the debt is not cool that I'm still in, <laughs> but you know, I just kind of had no, being that far from LA, which was where right. I wanted to go to end up. Like I just had no idea how to even get my foot in the door or what, you know, where, where do you even start if you're a Midwestern kid and yeah, it's like, right. you know, move across the country and then just find your way into a shop. Like, right. like you know, kind of wanted to do that, but also i would have no idea where to go. Did you, uh, at that point, did you have any kind of like molding, sculpting? Had you been doing that before you went to the Safini school, like from books and magazines and stuff? Uh, yeah, you know, I would always like <clears throat> try to uh, watch DVDs and look at the behind the scenes and like pause it and see what's on the shelves oh, right. of, you know, the effects mm -hmm. like behind the scenes. Um, and I always read Fangoria and, um, but yeah, I, I did a little bit of sculpting in high school, but I didn't, I don't know why it never occurred to me that sculpting was such a huge part of that. Like <laughs> for some reason, mainly like I was just drew monsters. That was like my big thing, like right. through all of my, and I was like, you know what, I, whatever, whatever technical skill you need to make monsters come to life, like, okay, just teach me that. Cause I got, I got this like monster thing down, <laughs> yeah, right. just like come out <laughs> of my brain and onto paper, you yeah, know, yeah. so, um, so then, uh, yeah, I uh, made some connections there. And then mm -hmm. I just, as soon as, two days after I graduated there, I just drove out to LA with a shitty Dodge Neon and like a thousand bucks. And I didn't even know anybody out here. I just Holy knew shit. that I was going really? to fucking make it work. Yeah. I had <laughs> never been here. Oh my I didn't God. Know anybody. Yeah. The Where? furthest west I had ever been was Las Vegas when I went with my mom. But yeah. Wow. That yep. must have been a culture shock. Oh, yeah. Totally. It, but, you know, I almost immediately felt at, home i guess in a weird way because like you know out here it's like a lot of people talk shit on la and and sure there are shitty people there's shitty people everywhere right i say the same thing you know but the thing with la is like yeah there's shitty people but everybody out here is like here to do something they yeah they drive it's true to do something you know and because this is not an easy or cheap place to live right. so if you're here you're you're fighting for it because right. you have a, a dream or a goal or a drive and to be surrounded by people like that is like I, you know, I can I can handle the stresses of L.A., but like to be in an environment where you're surrounded by other people that are driven, like that's pretty awesome. And, and not to mention the just there's so many creative people in L.A. too. That's another big part. Mm -hmm. Like 
you can dress up weird and wear crazy hats and it's like it's not a big deal it's like cool yep. you know what i mean you, you seem <laughs> yep. like you fit right in in la that's why i was surprised that you grew up in indiana <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so, and it definitely did not fit in there that was uh but you know like a part of that like because i look back at it and that like i don't know i'm in this phase of my life now that i'm really trying to just understand everything mm-hmm. and uh you know, like looking back and all of the shit that I got for dressing weird or any of that, like all of that, like I just turned it into drive to drive me out here. Right. And, you know, because like a lot of people can get weighed down with that kind of stuff and they may be like a fucking amazing creative talent, but they don't go anywhere because they let external opinions or other people like, you know, their idea clout their drive. Right. So it's like you can take that. I always use the analogy. It's like, people like hand you gas cans and you can either like hold on to them and they can weigh you down or you can pour them in your tank and like, right. you know, let that drive you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to like have the mindset that that's, that drove me out here. But I, you know, I get, it bums me out like people still back in the Midwest. And that's why I'm like very, uh, adamant and vocal about like, I try to do weird videos and stuff and encourage people that don't have, that don't live in LA and places that accept people for being weird to be like, Hey dude, there's people out there that right. like, will like think you're pretty rad for being you. So don't let all those people, you know, get in the way of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think it's important. Not everyone can afford to move out to LA or New York or wherever you want to go, but you know, it's important that you find your your people your tribe or whatever and mm-hmm. build your own little community where you live starting yeah. a gallery or an art collective or whatever you know yep yeah anywhere you're at like that we need we need like art we need creativity we need like people like little the world's not a safe place and i don't expect it to be because this is this is our trial by fire this is what hardens us and drives right. us you know yeah. so but but we do need safe like environments or like little pockets of little oasis, creative oasis you know, everywhere because otherwise you're going to go insane. Oh yeah. The overwhelming amount of normality. Yeah. <laughs> right. you know? <laughs> yeah and you can, you know, it, 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 you're helping yourself by connecting with other people in your area and you're helping them. It's mm-hmm. like, you're all kind of helping each other not to go insane yep. in, in the, in the waste creative wasteland, <laughs> yep. you know? So the, where did you stay? Did you just like find a hotel or something? Yeah. So uh, I had, there was one person out here that uh, went to the school and they were already living out here. So I stayed, I was able to stay with them for like a day. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> a whole yeah. day? And then, yeah. I thought it was going to be a little bit longer than that, but uh, <laughs> turns out that was not the case. So I found a one bedroom apartment on Craigslist. And it was a one-bedroom apartment filled with four other people that was also on Couchsurf.com. So it had an influx of anywhere from four to five uh, people from other countries just couch surfing <laughs> oh, too. Shit. So I just lived in this like sheeted off dining room on a shitty mattress. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's but, incredible. Yeah, but it was like, again, it was just none of that mattered because I just, this is what I wanted to do. Right. Right. You know, it's, it gets real tough sometimes to keep that focus. But if you, if you just focus on your goal, then the rest is like, the rest is just noise, man. You know, that that noise can, it really (laughs) cloud your vision. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, it's amazing when you, when you put yourself in a situation like that, you kind of, 
you have to rise to the occasion. You have to. You don't have any other choice. And it's mm-hmm. and it's kind of like when you jump in that way, I think you're rewarded on some kind of cosmic level too as as mm-hmm. well. You know, the universe reacts well to or what's the fortune favors the bold is the mm-hmm. is the the phrase. You know, it's like the universe responds well to people that are willing to take chances like that and do do something that they're you know they really believe in, and so yeah. you put yourself in a situation like that, and it's kind of amazing what you find yourself capable of that you didn't realize you were capable. Just like going on face off, it's the same kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And again, yeah, I, I pushed myself out of uh, out of my comfort zone by leaving my home state, and you know, and then look where it's got me. So right. Far, yeah. You know? And. And it's because like I took that and I learned a lot about myself in the process. And I think I think that's life. That's we're we're here to to learn and fail and grow and fail. And, you know, how do we always come back with a game plan of like, OK, well, how that didn't work out. So how do I get even better right. than that? You know, and like never, never plateau, in my opinion. I think we always got to like wherever you get, you got to keep trying mm-hmm. to go up, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's what it's all about. Um, and. and you got to have that fortitude. I think that's that's maybe what some people lack is that I don't know. It's like a self confidence or something, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you, because you know you'll get beaten down so many times that it can feel like oh this is hopeless. Forget about it. I'm going to quit. But you, but you can't. You can never quit. You know. It's mm-hmm. like if you have this thing you really want to do, you can you can kind of change the course a little bit to suit mm-hmm. the circumstances. But you have to be, you know, but you have to be like com- committed. And that's, that seems like, like it's, like it's some kind of inner thing that, you know, I don't want to say you're born with it because I think everyone has access with the, to it. But mm-hmm. maybe it seems like a lot of successful people I know have that thing in them that's like, I'm going to do this thing no matter what. It doesn't, mm-hmm. I don't care what it takes. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know where that comes from, but a lot of people like yourself seem to just kind of have that in them. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's upbringing or genetics or who knows what, but I think everyone could, could do it. You just have to, you have to believe, man. Yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> especially lately, like, yeah, I've been like delving back into spirituality and things. And, uh, I just feel like all of the cliches are so fucking true. Oh yeah. Like, totally. they're, just, they're just annoyingly true. It's like, man, just fucking believe in yourself, yeah. man. And you'll do it. And it's like. Yeah, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. But it, but it's like it's that. It's kind of that simple. Yeah, like, it is. On some level, it's that simple. Oh yeah. Because if you accept no other option than success, then you won't fail. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, you'll trip and fall on your face plenty of times, but you'll eventually get there. You'll suffer, but you won't yeah. fail. <laughs> right? Those yeah. are two different things. <laughs> I mean, but at the end of the day, like even if I never achieved my goal, I would feel like I lived a much more fulfilled life if I did nothing but try absolutely than if I ever gave up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Okay. So you get it to LA, you're sleeping on uh, someone's couch. Then you move into this, this place with a bunch of people living behind a sheet on a mattress. And then where, how'd you get your first gig? Uh, yep. So actually, uh, Kevin Kirkpatrick, I don't know. Do you oh, okay. Know Kevin? Yeah, I know him. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> he saw some of my stuff on MySpace, and he also went to, uh, the uh savini too Mm. as well um and i was out here for like three months and 
I was just, you know, doing the usual, like sending emails, making calls to shops and like trying not to get the runaround because, right. you know, most special effects shops are just like set up to get like specifically to, yeah, okay, we'll give you a call back. Or, yeah. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's tough. It's like really hard. Um, but I didn't give up, but I was, well, you know, well, well, sorry to interrupt. What, what year was this? Oh, this was, uh, 2009. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, oh, that's the other thing. Everybody told me not to move out there because the writer strike was still in effect. Oh, right. Yep. And it was like the tail end of the writer strike. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do it because it's the only thing I could do. You know, <laughs> yeah. like this is now that I'm like an adult and I have the freedom to, you know, make my life what I want it. Like I couldn't just sit and knowing that there is opportunity out there. Right. You know? Um, <clears throat> so. I was getting real nervous. And then, yeah, I just got a call from uh, Kevin Kirkpatrick and he was like, hey, I'm, I'm working uh, over at Quantum and we're doing uh, Tron Legacy. You want to come in for an interview? And I was like, oh, my God, yes, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, my first gig was working on Tron Legacy. What, what kind of what, what were you hired as? Uh, the, I was in the mold department, mm-hmm. so doing a lot of fiberglassing. And also we were uh, casting up these just body forms so they could put the suits on them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that. People don't think about that's like, you know, a lot of just things that you have to hang suits on or put helmets on, you know, under structures of work. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just to have something to say. You don't just buy this shit in the store. It's like you have to (laughs) build everything. Yep. But that's a, that's a, that's a, you know, kind of a common way to get your foot in is in, through molding and stuff because a lot of times especially in, in fiberglassing because it's like oh yeah nobody wants to do that so that's nope. often because it's it's hard work and yep. it's uncomfortable and you have to wear that white suit and respirator and it's hot as hell and and the chemicals just smell bad oh, and then i have so like bad. a fear of splinters so oh my i'm God. just using like like sheets of glass splinters right <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, people ask me like advice on getting in the industry and I'm just like, yeah, be prepared to fiberglass. Yeah. <laughs> learn, you know, do yourself a favor, just learn to fiberglass and then that'll be a way. In. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's like when I got in at, at Rick Baker's, I, I got in in the paint department, even though nice. I was mostly a sculptor and a creature designer, but I'd never worked there. So mm-hmm. there was an opening and my friend Bill Sturgeon was there and he's like, hey, you want to come and paint who ears? So I painted who ears for uh, nice. Grinch, like hundreds and hundreds of these, just <laughs> nice. like really so easy. It was torturous, but you know, eventually I was got, got a chance to sculpt and then I moved to the sculpting department, but that's the way it works. You kind of got to get in wherever you can and then climb the ladder. Yep. Yeah. You gotta, uh, you know, I was, I, I feel like success in the uh, special effects industry is just as much contingent on being a good person as it is your your talent. Mm-hmm. Like if because it's it really comes down to a lot of like networking with people and they're the ones that pull you in with the jobs. Right. And if nobody likes you or likes to be around you, you're not going to get called. Yeah, being like, being easy to work with is really important. You know? Yep, you could be the best at anything, but if you're a dick, nobody wants to hire you. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's I was in the mold department. I just started making friends with everybody, and uh, eventually I got pulled over to the paint department on Sucker Punch because we transitioned to oh, right. Sucker Punch from there, uh, which was pretty rad because I was actually getting to do something that was actually seen on the screen. Right, right. Um, yeah, and then then after that, I kind of just uh, floated around from shop to shop, doing some stuff here and there, uh, and then I met Randy, Randy Rodill. 
and uh, helped her out with the girls and cosplay calendar. Hmm. Um, and that's how we met. But then we decided to do our own book instead of other people's characters. We decided to do Bizarro a Gogo, mm-hmm. which is just like a insane coffee table book of, you know, we, the tagline is blood babes and beyond. It's like we made up our own movie posters, magazine covers, right. like all of, and then originally it was going to be all photos, but all these characters and stuff we were coming up with had such cool, like mythos and lore that we included the Encyclosleasia Shatanica pages. <laughs> and it just kind of like explains all that stuff. So we just like created this, this whole like weird world in like six months. I don't know how we did wow. this. We made like an 80 some page book in six months, just me and her, and uh, with all these photo shoots and like there would be times where we would we would have uh, models booked for the next day, but we didn't even know what we were going to shoot. So like the <laughs> night before we just come up with some like random it was like, hey, why don't you be a, a hobo clown that crashes their birthday party? And then you guys just start beating each other up and throwing up on each other. <laughs> all right. Cool. And then that sounds like a did. plan. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where like, that's I guess that's where my story starts to diverge from special effects into the realm of um, personal art and, right. and things because, you know, like it, working at. A shop. I thought that's all I ever wanted to do, but when you're in the shop, you again, you're just a cog in the machine. And I'm not like downplaying. It's like it's really cool to be a part of that machine. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but then when your your personal art is calling, and you know, like it it feels it can feel unfulfilled because you're not, you know, like I have a, a lot of friends that work at shops, and they're like they're kind of unhappy because they want to be doing more of their own stuff, but they work so much in shops that they're like. You know, right. you turn you turn your passion into a job and then it's hard to passionately create on the side, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, when I kind of made it as a painter, I was thinking all these people from effects that I've been working with and c- complaining with for years about how we're not getting to do our own shit. I thought they would just like come right behind me when they saw that it could be done. And uh-huh. almost nobody did because <laughs> yeah. because... And I don't blame them because, you know, you're going to have to struggle financially, especially coming out of the film industry because it pays pretty well. And so it's like if you're doing your own stuff, you're going to have to take a huge pay cut and work way more hours. Mm -hmm. And you have to gauge if that's worth it or not. And, you know, FX work is hard work and and it's hard to come home at night and – and create or do it on the weekends, your own stuff when they're, when they, when it's such like a, a long t- it takes so long to get that whole thing going. You know, you're, you have to look like, okay, I'm going to commit to this for like the next 10 years and figure out a way to make it work and struggle for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I understand why people don't do it, but it's still kind of a bummer. I'm so yeah, that's what I, I love. I totally. love it. I'm, I, that's, you know, one of the things I love about you is you're just super creative and it's like, you're not just like an effects guy. You're, you're an artist. You're, you're just a creative artistic person who's just wants to create shit all the time. So you're like doing these weird making rainy into what's, what's, what's his name? That you just post? Oh, da- Danny Trejo. Da- Danny Trejo. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fucking funny. Danny yeah, Trejo like- uh, doing that uh, uh, twerking video yeah. and uh, like making her up and just going, making all these crazy monsters just for like, just to do it too. That's what's great. That's what it's like. 
That's how I know it's real with you. Aside from, you know, it's just good, good work, but it's like, you're just, you just do stuff because it's cool to do it. And I love that. <laughs> you know? It's true. Yeah. And, and like you said, I mean, that comes with its own set of pitfalls of, uh, right. yeah. you know, it's like, I feel creatively and almost spiritually, um, fulfilled, but mm-hmm. then we live in this thing called a real world, which is, you know, like it's tough paying bills and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's tough, but I can't. I honestly can't imagine myself doing anything else. You You definitely seem to be doing what you're supposed to be doing to me. It seems like it. Yeah, I feel pretty, uh, pretty on the right track. uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because if you don't do it, there's never going to be a twerking Danny Trejo video ever made it's never right. it's and not gonna happen that, if you'd be a shame <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yes <laughs> so okay uh yeah so then did you so i mean you still do you work in shops anymore are you completely like independent yeah. or do you kind of go back and forth or what so um yeah so there was the shop well this is kind of fun too actually like kind of going back through my life since i've been out here um (laughs) so yeah those were like the shop years where i float around from shop and then ranny was the catalyst that brought me into doing more of my own stuff um and then she's the one that actually encouraged me to go on face off oh wow Um, yeah and so i did that and then like after face off like well okay so before Face Off, also, I was creating a lot with Randy and we were doing my own stuff. I was also showing in art galleries a lot, uh, the Hive Gallery. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And um, so I started to, to really, like, develop my own style, I guess. It was funny because the, the Sig Neutron thing came from, uh, I don't even know where they came. I just, want, when I started showing in galleries, I was like, man, I want... I don't want to be known as the artist Brandon Dishman. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't hate my name or anything, but it's right. like, could be more exciting. Know. Yeah. I want like a sleazy sci-fi weird name. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that actually. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I don't even know where it came from, I but know, I was you were, like, you were saying may on this one interview I read, you were saying it kind of maybe was like a play on fig, fig Newtons. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, I, know, yep. I never thought of that before. <laughs> Sig so, Neutron, yeah. Fig Newton, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I, at first I was, well, okay, so at first I was the, uh, I was the thrill craze space kid. That's, okay. That's, and so I just went by space kid. Uh-huh. Um, and then I, I would sign all my paintings with, uh, I would make the S and the K a lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it, one day I realized that like the double lightning bolts next to each other. Just <laughs> probably like, not a good yeah. idea. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I don't even need to say it. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. No, that sounds like, well, that's a big design fail right there. And also, how much, how long do I want to be known as the space kid, possibly Nazi space kid? Right. Uh, Let me interject one time, just real quick. Speaking of the SS sign, there was this tattoo artist guy that I knew, and I knew he was in prison. And I saw him one time, like I didn't know him that well, but I saw him one time without his shirt and he had, you know, the old surfer S that you used to draw when you're a kid. It's like, oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah where you draw three lines and then you draw the point and the Little, top yep. of the bottom and you connect them. Oh yeah. Um, he had that tattooed on his, on him and it said, it said that big S and it, maybe it said surf or just had the big S. And then I was looking at it and what it was, was two SS 
He, like he got two SS prison <laughs> tattoos that he turned into a surfer S. <laughs> anyway, oh, I just had, I had to throw that that's, in. Okay, no, so that's a good one. Oh man, what space turn that into? <laughs> space kid. Okay, so so. Yep, and that was that kind of came from uh, like I always loved like 1950s sci-fi. Right. Like, something yeah. about that era. Oh, I love of, it. Like it's so much fun. Yeah, I love the past's idea of the future. Yeah, you know? definitely. And, and I think in the 50s, like, I know this is a side tangent, but, like, they people just care, cared more about aesthetics, man. Oh, yeah. Like, people think that we're, like, moving forward, like, aesthetically. Like, no we're, we're taking multiple steps back. Everything's so boring now. Yeah, I, can't, I don't you know, know why they don't, like, all the... Why don't they make all new cars look like the old cars when cars looked cool? Like, in right? the 50s, it was, like, but, the like, best make era them for with, cars. Yeah, make them with like better materials, exactly. but still keep like that really cool aesthetic, man. I know like, it's weird. I don't know why they don't do it. I yeah. agree. I totally agree with you. So that's how, like, in my in the Sig Neutron universe, all the spaceships are very like retro fifties, you know, inspired with like the fin and right, uh, right. Um, but so that's where Thrill Craze Space Kid came from. But then I, uh, I was doing. I had a a show at the Hive, and I was featured. So I came up with this like Sig Neutron moniker because apparently the Sig Neutron character wants to be the most evil thing in the universe. <laughs> so he essentially acts as the anti-hero because he travels the universe taking out the baddest of the bad guys mm. and like collecting their heads. Mm-hmm. So he's he's not a good guy, but he's essentially doing a good service right. by cleaning <laughs> up the universe. So that's where the whole like fun play is from. But then um, that's great. Yeah, and then I just decided to adopt that as my moniker. And I guess probably subconsciously or something, that's probably some weird part of my ego or something. You know what I mean? Mm, like right. sick neutron. Um, uh, 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 alter ego kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, it started with I would do all of these heads, like wall-mounted alien heads. That's where I started. And uh, then I came up with the cigarettes, which are these little tiny little rat creatures that steal people's cigarettes. <laughs> That's great. So you're, yeah. bu- you're building like a, a whole mythology kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I call it the, the sleazy universe of Sig Neutron. That's great. Because I just, I don't, again, talking about things that really appealed to me as a kid were, uh, you know, like liquid television and those like, mm-hmm. you know, Ren and Stimpy or like the head where that guy had a demon living in his head. You remember that cartoon? I don't remember the head. I was amazed. It was like this dude had a huge head and there was a purple demon living inside of it. And his best friend had like a, a saw blade stuck in his head. Like mm. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but it was just like these weird, crazy people. That's um, funny, though, because the last um, guest I had, Stephanie Inagaki, she mentioned li- liquid television as, as nice. an influence on her as well. Nice. That was a that was a really cool time. And the only time MTV was good was back then. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know? Um, and then, you know, of course you got like Ren and Stimpy to oh, yeah. the extreme close-ups, like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I loved how gross they looked. Yeah, and also yeah. like, uh, Ratfink, you know, Ed Daddy Roth, yeah. like all of his like crazy, wacky, weird monsters. And then movies like, uh, like Freaked. Oh my God. I, uh, just, I worked on that. <laughs> what? You I did? did? I did the cowboy. Oh, what? That was my character. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I had no idea. Dude, that's so badass. That's like one of my top films of all time. Really? I, yes. I like this stylistically. I just think it's the perfect movie. Wow. I got to watch it again. I haven't seen it since it first came out. 
That's so, so good. funny. It's like <laughs> monsters are just all oozy and snotty and, and I just, yeah, I love it. the Steve, <clears throat> yeah, the Steve Johnson did amazing shit on that. Those uh, Big Daddy <laughs> Roth guys were yeah. f- amazing. I remember going to set and seeing that with my little cowboy and seeing that Big Daddy Roth guy. <laughs> and I was like, oh nice. man, <laughs> kind of showed me up. <laughs> And then you got, uh, yeah, like the Kyoto Brothers too, like Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and like that right. that whole style. Like I somewhere I found this style that I I call like cartoony realism. Right. And yeah. it was like it was kind of big in the '80s, like Big Trouble in Little China too. It's like yeah. there was there was a lot of cartoony elements, but still they skinned it with like realistic textures yeah. and paint jobs. And like that's like I guess that's my favorite aesthetic. And I forget how I've even ended up at this point, but. <laughs> um. <laughs> We were talking about your name and how you. Uh, yeah, like, I go. I go on mad tangents. No, that's good. Um, <laughs> that's good. Uh, oh, and then, yeah. So I drew, um, Jackie Dan hands. He's a, a crapulon. So I created this race of aliens <laughs> called crapulons, and they live off of booze and uh, '80s hair metal. <laughs> they also like baloney too, but you know nice. they they survive off of booze. Um, and that that's because I I was trying to find a style, you know, like I kind of had a style, but it wasn't until I drew this one sloppy, drunken creature that I was like, oh, shit, that's that's it. Like, right. that's that's what I was just like, oozy, gross, drunken, sloppy creatures. Right. All right. Done. Done deal, pal. <laughs> <laughs> like, done deal. And then, then I just started making uh, all of you know, that's the, and developing my own style. And then, you know, it feels really cool to get in a place artistically where people like recognize your work yeah. out, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that's a sick piece for sure. I didn't even need to look at the name tag and it's yeah. like, that feels good. Oh you yeah. Know? Yeah. That's, that's the, that's a big hurdle to pass, yeah. you know? And, and if I, again, if I would have stayed at shop work, I wouldn't have had the time to find my own artistic voice right and so it's like you had i had to take that chance yeah you know yeah um and and the payoff was awesome but you know it's it's still it's a struggle like we talked about but um so do you work in shops like from time to time or are you out of it yeah occasionally uh i will um but through oh yeah that was the whole point i was trying to (laughs) so um (laughs) So after going on face off, that kind of like elevated my name and it gave me like some clout. So Mm -hmm. I I started to develop um, uh, clients of my own that were like pretty big clients. So uh, like companies that would do, oddly enough, I got uh, hired to do a Fig Newton commercial. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, and it was just, man, sometimes the just the most random chance events leads to like something totally life changing. Oh, like yeah. This, yeah. I met this guy at the Hive that I didn't even remember giving him my number. And then I get a text like two years later and it was about this job. And he put my name in for this job. And it was like I'd never seen the guy since or even remembered who the guy. I thought the guy was actually somebody else. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. <clears throat> so I I got that job and we had to make these like giant fruit heads for uh, these people and I rock and rolled that. So then, um, that got me in with the company and then, I don't know, commercials do this whole weird, they have like an ad company and they have a production right. company and there's like representatives from many different things. But like, so that sort of opened the spider web up of all of those people went off to do back to their areas. And then all of them started hitting me up for separate work. And, 
I was able to, I've been able to maintain like since with like being able to do all of our weird shit that we're doing, uh, that pulls in like some money, but also like occasionally I'll just have a really big job come my way. That's uh, cool. One of those. Clients. Yeah. So, so you're doing most, mo- mostly like your own commercial effects work mm-hmm. and, and then you have your art as well that's happening in tandem and then yep. you'll occasionally work at a shop once in a while if the opportunity yeah, comes if, up. Yeah, if things get, like, pretty bad, you know, it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of, like, again, like, I'm totally in no way, like, downplay or yeah, talking shit on shop I work. I know exactly what you're saying, I, I and I agree, you know, it's 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 a great job. Make yep. Vex is a great job. I highly recommend mm-hmm. it for thank you. people that are um, into that, you know, into effects. It's great. Because I, I, when I first left the business, I was so jaded. Like I left, I think the last job was when you started. I think okay. around 2009. No, wait a minute. When was Land of the... Oh, these fucking dogs. Here comes the Great Dane. Um, uh, when did Land of the Lost remake come out? Do you remember that? That was like... Is that too, yeah. Was, I think uh, it was maybe a little later than 2009, but that was that was around the time when I was starting to get traction in the art business. Mm-hmm. Hold on, sorry. <laughs> You're fine. Dogs keep okay. Um, everyone who listens to the podcast is used to the dog interruptions; they happen all the time. <laughs> um, but I I was super jaded and bitter, and then uh, because I had worked at it for so long, and and I was feeling unfulfilled creatively, mm-hmm. and um, they, when I first got out, I was just talking shit about effects so bad. Like, and, and, and then I like got out, it was like a year or so. And then I was like, okay, that was just me being a dick. Like that was my own personal, really anger at myself for not going out and following my own dream, you yeah. know? And it's kind of unfair to put that on the industry. And then looking back on it, you know, it's a great job. It's fucking great. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah. It's super fun. The people are super cool. The pay is really good, you know, mm-hmm. especially the higher up you go. You can yeah. make some decent money. So I so I hear you with the, you know, <laughs> just because we don't want to go back to it doesn't mean we don't respect it and we don't yep. think it's a great job. But exactly, you, you know, it doesn't fulfill the creative part of you that really wants to do your own thing. That's what it's mm-hmm. all about, really. Yeah, because it's just, you know, it's like I say, it's awesome to be a big part of that. And also you learn so much. So it's like anybody that does want to pursue effects, like do it and, and go through that. And because like, I wouldn't have the skills that I have now had I not gone through that. So it's a very important part of your growth as an artist. And also some people get into it and they just, they truly just like it. Like, yeah, and that's it. They feel fulfilled. So that's, that's rad. You know, um, I was for a long time, you know, I was for like 10, first 10 years. I was like, this is it for me. And then, and then it, Mm -hmm. you know, changed for me, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's a great springboard too that you could either stay there and it, if you're happy there, cool. And but if not, then you, it equips you with all these creative skills and networking right. abilities to to venture off. You know, right. and um, and some people, yeah, some people get that call and and some people don't, and it's right. that's fine if you don't. You yeah, know, and it right. kind of goes back to what we were talking to earlier. Some people, I don't know, you just yeah, it's. And then this probably stuff we'll touch on, like when it's, we talk more like spirituality and stuff. But it's like there's something inside of you that just, you know, it's that voice that pushes you to, you know, it's it's a calling. It really yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. And some people don't have it. And that's OK. You know, and mm-hmm. that's, the world's not made for every single person to be, 
you know, a weirdo artist or whatever. It's, you know, or, yep. or you know, I know plenty of people that are totally happy in that business. And mm-hmm. I think in a way I probably, I, I feel like I could have if things were different, if the business was a little bit different, but that's kind of beside, beside the point. Cause I really did enjoy, I really, really enjoyed sculpting and even mm-hmm. molding and casting. I like the whole thing. And, but that's one of the great things about effects too, as, as a, as a job or as a, as a stepping stone to be an artist, because you learn every aspect of art, of fine art mm-hmm. and makeup effects, you know, color yeah. theory and molds and casting and, and, uh, you know, like you look at the old pictures of these old um, atelier, atelier, you know, uh, I guess that's what they call them, you know, art schools or or, mm-hmm. or uh, studios with old master studios. They have like plaster casts all over the walls. It's, mm-hmm. It looks exactly like an effect shop. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, it's a trip. It's, it's So yeah. it's very much um, – and then you're right. It, it, it attracts – uh, as far as learning from people too, because the money's good, it attracts the most, the best talent. So when you work, especially the higher up in shops you go, you're working around more talented people. And that's like a huge thing to become a better artist is being around oh, yeah. artists better than yourself, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I'm, you know, always like peeking over somebody's shoulder or just seeing what they're doing. And it's like, you can't, can't be in that environment unless you're like working there, you know? So right. it's like, exactly. It's, so it's, it's totally like, there's many wonderful things about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. And yeah, that's why I like effects as a job too, because it's like, you could really just say we're professional, like creative problem solvers, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. And I, I, that was something that I always loved as a kid was just solving problems like creatively. Mm-hmm. You know, like when anytime there was like, um, I don't know, you had to like do that bridge test where you had to build a bridge and then see how much weight right. yours would support or like try to build something that you could protect the egg when it fell off the the roof so it right, didn't crack right. or something you know it's like <laughs> all of those like things i'm like yes how can we like think about this in ways that maybe no one has thought about it before it's kind, you, know? you know what it's kind of, and i could see why you being so into sci- science fiction as well it would be drawn to this is it's like a real mixture of art and science makeup effects, yeah. you know, because there's really a scientific angle. Like you're doing a lot of chemical work and measuring things and engineering mm-hmm. things, designing things. You know, it's, it's shit. I'm going to go back. Fuck this art stuff. I'm going, <laughs> fuck this fine art. I'm, I'm going back. I'm going to call some shops tomorrow. <laughs> I miss it a little bit once in a while, but, yeah. but, but, um, especially now that I'm, finishing this painting for the show and staying up all night and not getting paid for it until the artwork sells. I'm really missing (laughs) the, the the effects work, but, but I always, then I, you know, the, 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 that lack of creative fulfillment really was, was huge for me Mm -hmm. towards the final years. It was painful. It was so painful every day that I was working. It was just like, ah, I could be painting right now. I have this great idea. And, it was us. Oh, heart tears your heart out sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, I don't know. I think it's. I, I, I'm. I'm very happy that you're. You're. You're doing your own thing. I think that's. Well, I'm happy perfect. that you're doing your thing. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. I mean, that's. A, well, it's like you said. It's like that's what you want too. It's like it's almost like growing up in your hometown, and all of you are like, "Yeah, we're getting the fuck out of here," and then you're the only one that moves away, and then everybody right. else stays. And you're like, "What? Come on, guys, let's, yeah, let's fucking right. do it!" You know, like, exactly. you know, like eating ramen and like not knowing if your rent's gonna get paid. Come yeah. on, man. Like, let's have a good time. 
<laughs> so are you currently working on a project like a like a commercial project or anything like that or are you just what do you what are you yeah. up to right at the moment yeah so uh i've been doing twitch a lot so i have a twitch channel which um twitch.tv slash signeutron cool um, yeah, we'll put that we'll put all your links you can mention them but we'll also put them in the description too so people can find them thank you um so i do i do a lot of my sculpting on there i do, like i'll sculpt um I don't know, just random figures and things like that. Uh, and But now I'm like, I'm kind of, lately I've been my own worst enemy because I have so many ideas yeah. and it's actually, I actually have the time to do them that it's almost overwhelming. And, right. it's like, <laughs> and I'm not complaining. Like I've, I'm very thankful for all of these ideas and time. As far but, as problems go, it's a pretty good problem to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But then it's like, then you start frustrating yourself because um, like even more so because you're like, man, like I have the ability to like time and resources to do this. Right. But I can't even figure out like what to right. endeavor into because like anything that you do, it's a it's a lot of time and effort into one thing to get it to take off. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough for me to figure out how to I'm, I'm trying to like just yesterday I like took a step back and I'm trying to like plan out all right here's all my ideas and how can I like set an outline to where I can work on all of them and get them going you know what I mean right. it's like yeah, yeah. organizational stuff that yeah. nobody no artist wants to do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's like the hardest that's really the one of the hardest parts of being an independent artist is um uh organization and project management and also forcing yourself to try and keep regular hours in a way, or I don't know, some people work differently, but uh, once you become your own boss, then your, your house feels like the workplace. And then if you're not working, then you feel bad that you're not working. Like you feel like you always just feel like I, at least I always feel like I should be working. Oh yeah. Because like, this is, this is my, this is where I do my work is at my house. So right, it's like, same here. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's tough to, I don't know. Like I did. Yeah. It's like when you're working like at a, a job that structures your schedule for you, uh, it's like, all right, weekends are all right, cool. I'm, that's my, my chill time, you know, but then right. when you're like setting your own hours, it's like, when is my chill time? <laughs> there is no chill and, time. And, uh, when you're working yeah. And also yourself. like, I still have to somehow make rent. So I guess, you yeah, know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's awesome, but it's, it definitely comes with its own hurdles for sure. Right. I, um, I, I usually find like the economics is what dictates what I'm doing at the moment. Usually Unfortunately, I'm still in that position to where I'm not, you know, I don't have a bunch of money to where I can go. I'm going to do whatever I want. I mean, I I do what creatively I do whatever I want, but it's like, okay, I need to pay the bill. So I'm going to paint a bunch of studies right now because they'll sell easily Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, a sculpture. I'm going to do resin casts or whatever. and, And it kind of like where how much money I need that month, I'll sort of figure out what I'm doing. But even that is still um, great because I can, the designs are all, you know, whatever I want to do, which is, yeah. you know, which is what it's all about. But mm-hmm. yeah. And I think I just came to that realization today too, because uh, I have a lot of molds for things I've sculpted. Um, but I've kind of been putting off doing the, the sort of production aspect of it. Right. So I'm thinking that like, 
I need to set a day or a couple of days a week and just do, just do the production stuff. And you know, like a lot of resin, crank out the resin Absolutely. kits and sell those. And then I'll like, re- and then my other days will be spent doing my long-term projects that, you know, takes it. So I think that's, yeah, I'm, I'm ending up at that same point that, that you're talking about. That, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's weird. Cause just yesterday I was talking to my wife about it. All these molds I have from all these little resin pieces that they're just, you know, it's like, it's like money in the bank in a way. It's like it's mm-hmm. like sitting there. They're just these empty molds. It's like I could spend a day or two filling them and doing a bunch of one-off casts with weird colors and and sell them, you know. And, mm-hmm. and and they're really cool and fun to do too. I love casting resin casting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's just you know you gotta uh, you gotta go it's, where the money is. I, I suppose. To some yeah, degree. and I well, I think something about it too for me is like. Once I make something, like I'm like, bam, it's done, it's there, it exists. Now I'm like, what's yeah, next? Yeah, you know? exactly, <laughs> it's exactly. Like, it's almost like it's 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 almost painful in a way to go back and just cast the same thing over uh, and over right, again. Right. You know? That's why I, I started doing those, those these weird colored urethane casts, though, like where you're yeah. mixing colors and using glow in the dark colors. Because I'm totally oh, into nice. that, you know. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. It's super fun, and I I I had a bunch of them left over from Monster Palooza because I I did we did a shitload, so many resins because I had a bunch of resin, had a bunch of glow powder, um, tints and stuff, and I just made tons of casts of everything. So I had a bunch left. I sold well, but I also had a bunch left over. So I just threw them up on the in my web store for the hell of it, and then they just sold right away. And it's like nice. I need to be making more of more of these because. You know, people want them, I guess, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Randy always uh, we talk about, you know, it's kind of like a field of dreams, you know, if you build it, you know, exactly. like, they will sell, you know, because, <laughs> <laughs> like, so, yeah, every time I just like force myself to, all right, I'm just going to crank them out like they sell. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it's 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 tough, like fighting with yourself sometimes over yeah. sort of silly things. You know? Yeah. It's like we all know it's like if I make them, they'll sell. Like, but why don't I want to do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because like, you have because it's like you got this 10 other ideas of these other sculptures you want to do. Or like me, mm-hmm. I've got this six foot painting I've been wanting to do for the last five years. And it's like you want to do that stuff, but you can't afford I can't afford to just take six months and do this huge painting, you know, that may or may mm-hmm. not sell or may sell yep. like in 10 years. So it's, it's like, you got to, it's a, it's a juggling act for sure. It comes yeah. with, comes with all its own being an independent artist comes with all its own ki- kind of different problems. You know, mm-hmm. it's like no matter what you do, there's going to be problems. So you might as well yep. do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. Um, and it's still better than working in a shop, I think. A little bit better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's sure. why I always say, if you look at, can you see me on the screen? If you look at, like, people think, if I, you know, the people like you and I, you think, oh, if I leave the shop, it's going to be like, here's shop work. And then way up here is being your own artist. And it's like, <laughs> it's actually more like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, It's definitely. better, but it's only a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, because of sure. Because of all the other, the financial hassles and stuff, you know. Yeah. It's I still mean, better, I- though. That's, to I think it's, you know, it's just how reality is crafted. I guess, you know, that everything needs an equalizer or, you know, a limit on it to keep it in right. balance, I yeah. guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in addition to like all the sculptures and the Twitch stuff, uh, I also, I've been doing my podcast too, actually. Uh, it's Signutron Sputron. You got a podcast? I didn't know I that. I do. Yeah. Holy yep. shit. It's, uh, yeah. Well, how long have you been doing it? Uh, 
I think the first episode I put out in January of this year, but oh, then cool. I took like a long hiatus and then, but I got like, uh, 11 episodes out now Good. and I try to do at least like an episode a week. Good. Uh, so, you gotta yeah, just so get, they say you gotta get to 40. They say yeah, once you get to 40, most, most podcasts fail if they don't get to, to 40. So just work on getting to 40 and then mm-hmm. by then it's just like, so in the routine, you know? Yeah, because like that's you have a big enough catalog, so they'll go back and listen right. and get everybody hyped, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So I was thinking that I, that's another thing I might just like take a week and just like crank out episodes. Um, mm-hmm. But so my format's like it's very strange. I, I like I said, I'd go on tons of tangents, so I just like set up the microphone and I just start talking about random things, but then I'll intercut it with uh, just dumb songs that I make about like. Uh, whatever I was talking about or uh, <laughs> I'll have like um, random creatures pop in like the shit talking mushrooms in episode one I bought a pack of shit talking mushrooms uh, <laughs> shit talkies so occasionally they'll just like pop in and like it's just with a zinger or something making fun of me you know so that's it's great. like I create this like fun like weird little fantasy world that's cool but also just talk about real life things um, excellent and then a couple like every so episodes bleh every occasional episode I'll tell like uh, a story that, and I'll just do all the sound effects for it and all the voices. Cause I love doing silly voices. Yeah. <laughs> so I have like this uh, thing called the Skelebang kid. It's uh, like a 1950s Western sci-fi uh, epic. Cause do you remember the brave star, the cartoon? No. Oh dude. Brave star was amazing. It was like cowboys and aliens like set in space. And, when was uh, this? Wait, what? Uh, this was way, way old. I think um, maybe like late 80s huh. something. Uh, but you should check it out. It's really yeah. cool. But this is like kind of my answer to that. But again, it goes back to like the 1950s retro futuristic looking uh, aspect of it. Right. But um, so that's that's one of the stories I tell. Um and then I also, through Twitch, I started a Discord, which is the cigarette pack. Um, mm. And it's just this fun little community. Like, usually Discord is used for gamers yeah, and things. Yeah. Um, so but is Twitch, I just, usually, also. Yeah, Twitch is uh-huh. designed for gamers, I think. Yep. So I've been trying to, like, push those mediums into, like, new areas that people don't necessarily use them for. And uh, the Discord has become a really awesome hub for just, uh, like, creative weirdos. Uh, you know, a lot of people have found me through the Twitch and I always like put the link there and, uh, we got like art channels for people to share their art, um, you know, dream discussion channels, uh, all kinds of like weird things. And it basically, yeah, it's just like a, it's a really nice little community to encourage everybody to be creative and and embrace their weirdness. Kind of like what I was saying earlier is that not everybody has that little safety bubble wherever they're at. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm just trying to get the cigarette pack uh, thing so that people, you know, feel encouraged and empowered to be weird and not like it's something they need to hide. Right, right. Yeah, that's so. great. That's awesome. I didn't know. That's really cool. I gotta, um, I'm going to subscribe to your Twitch channel and your podcast. Where's the the podcast? Where do you, where, oh, yeah. where do you uh, host it? So I, I do it through Podbean. So okay. It's, uh, yeah, signeutron.podbean.com. Cool. But it's also on iTunes and Spotify. So if you just search Sputron, they should come up. Yeah, sp- <laughs> <laughs> Signeutron, Sputron. Cool. Do you talk about, I, I know you've mentioned spirituality and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you talk about that on the on your podcast at all? Yeah, so I, I'm starting a movement called uh, Irreverentism. 
Okay. And uh, so this is, it's, it's weird, man. Life has, has taken some pretty magical, weird turns lately. Yeah, I want to um, hear about them. So, yeah, so we went through the shop years and then the years of making, like, cool stuff with Randy and the face-off years. Um, so now that, yeah, that put me to where we are here. Um, but so I've always had this idea I wanted to do, uh, like, start this movement called a reverentism, which was basically it was just be fucking weird as you want to be and, like, just go out, like, dressed as something weird or something because it, it breaks the monotony mm-hmm. of of everyday life and it kind of because all too often people get wrapped up in this like shell or just you know just life itself it's just like if you go to you know you're at a bank or something and everybody's fucking like pissed off and somebody just starts dancing out in the middle of nowhere right. like everybody <laughs> around that person is gonna like look at that person and then like They'll either laugh or, you know, or just be weird. But it, it breaks them out of whatever, you know. Right. Um, yeah. That was kind of yeah. the basis of where I started with it. But then all of this, like, crazy spiritual stuff has been happening lately. Um, and so basically, uh, man, it's yeah, like tough to even figure out where to start. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, what kind, of, what kind of crazy spiritual stuff has been happening? Like synchronicity type things? Yeah. So basically... Uh, we went to New Orleans. This is where it all started. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rani has been, she's been doing a lot of like spirit work, uh, spiritual work and like aromatherapy and stuff for our soaps that we make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we have a, uh, a novelty soap company called Rub-A-Dub Beelzebub. Yeah. Where we make. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she's been learning a lot of like herbs and all of, the, all of this stuff. Um, uh, and like doing a lot of crystal work and things like that. Um, and then when we went to, and I'm actually, so I was filming all of this when we were in New Orleans and, um, I was, it's funny because I was actually filming because I was going to do this show where about me starting a cult. (laughs) (laughs) So I, cause I just thought it'd be a funny thing to do a show about. But then, uh, partway through our trip, like Randy starts channeling this spirit. Um, and then essentially like this out of nowhere. Yeah. Just, just out of fucking nowhere, man. And like, then we saw this lady like drive up uh, on this bike as soon as we left this club. And then Randy just starts immediately talking to this lady, and then she just starts like this lady starts crying, and wow. like I'm like, what's happening right now? And then her the lady's friend tells me that this lady's mom just passed away or something. And then Randy's like, it's okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna handle it. I'm gonna take care of it. And then like talking in this accent and stuff wow and, and that's where it like started and so we're thinking that like i don't know this this is a whole like so i was filming for that so then obviously i shift focus and i start documenting whatever's happening here so mm. i've documented like this became a whole thing um but which that'll i guess all of that will be explained in the documentary because it's too hard to explain wow. now but basically i'll just fast forward a little bit okay. to where um now she started doing spirit work with her ancestors and things like that. And like, I, I truly believe that there are universal deities or energies. Um, I think all of the major religions are right and wrong. I mm. think that there are, there are universal deities. Like if you look at the union archetypes and things like that, mm-hmm. there, there are energies that work under the banners, but it's just different it's the same energies, but they're just looked at through different cultural lenses right. around the world. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, a lot of, 
crazy synchronicity stuff started happening like like to a T, man. And like Yeah, it's freaky when that stuff starts happening. You start going, Am I crazy? Or yeah. you know, this is too, or yeah, or like, or it, it this is impossible. That yeah. thing that just happened is impossible. There's no way that could happen. And then it happens again and you're just like, What? <laughs> so um so luckily, like Randy was, you know, channeling and she was like making sense of this. And um, apparently like then they've started guiding us through all of the different world theologies and then kind of like guiding us to how uh, how like all the ties that link them all together. Mm-hmm. And um, it's my dog. It's, so, it's my dog snoring in the background. So <laughs> sorry about that. You're talking no, about all this deep stuff and there's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me. I'm fascinated. No, keep going, please. <laughs> um, so, because you know, I always believed in something. I just didn't right. didn't know what to believe in. You know, right. and I think that, and it, it's somehow it's funny because like uh, they started uh, associating different deities to different numbers, and then when something would happen, like I'd look at the clock and it'd be like a number, right. and so numbers are really important. So they, they've almost like taught me uh, a language that is unique to me. So I can like actually decipher what's ha- like whatever happens to me, like externally. And then with a clock, I can sort of hone in on the message, yeah, but also it's like what's pops into my head too. Right. That That's what, that's one thing. Um, I, I, I think Mike, who's the, 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 who used to co-host the show with me, we're, we were talking about at one point, maybe on the show, maybe not. But, you know, people say intuition. They talk about intuition. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was always used to thinking that intuition was having a feeling. But it's mm-hmm. not really. It, it's, it's, that's part of it. That's one part mm-hmm. of it. Intuition is also kind of knowing how to read the signs and knowing. context. Yeah, exactly. Putting a context to the number that comes up on the clock or the commercial that pops up on TV when you were just thinking about it, this thing over here. And it's like, and it is like, you kind of have to be careful because you can, this is kind of the same thing that crazy people do. Yeah. I know. know. So it's like, it's, 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 you know, potentially dangerous if you're not careful. So you always have to, I think where you're in a good position, you always have to not take yourself too seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, and know that like to kind of take it all with a grain of salt mm-hmm. or or not be like not be uh, totally tied to. Yeah, uh, the, the uh, under I think the underlying belief in all of it is that you don't know, you don't mm-hmm. know for sure. And, and it's OK. And mm-hmm. even though I don't know for sure, I'm still going to go with this. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to follow this thing. Mm-hmm. and see where it leads me you know that's yeah. kind of how i try and live my life it's like try and yeah. be intuitive and know see the signs when they come up and try and make sense of them and if you can't make sense of them it's no big deal sometimes they sometimes synchronicities just happen and it seems like there's no rhyme or reason to it but it's still a mm-hmm. crazy one other yeah. times they really are like poke you know hitting you on the head hey pay attention here dumbass mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah yeah totally um and it, like, yeah, it's great. Like, sorry, I'm just, it's, it's so like all this stuff just happened to like started happening about four months ago. So it's like, Oh wow. I'm like trying to make sense of it all. And it's like, I try to relay this information in a way that doesn't make me seem like a crazy person right. because you're right. That is what crazy people do. Yeah. <laughs> and like, 
this and it's also given me a, a new um perspective on like mental illness and things like right. that too because like so let's like your conscience right like what is that you know we ha- we have conversations with ourselves we think through our problems but like what who are we actually talking to up there in our heads right, you know right and it's like and sometimes that you hear things or you think thoughts in your own voice that you're like, I would never think that, or right. I would never say that. Yeah, exactly. You know? And like sometimes it's really fucked up shit. Yeah, too. It's like, yeah. where the fuck did that come from? Yeah. Like, what is wrong with me? Yep, you know? Yep, yep. But I think that the best way I, I'm trying to make sense of it all. And again, I always specify that these are all my theories. Mm-hmm. The, these universal energies or whatever, they don't give me like all the answers. They just nudge me in directions. And these are things that I have to figure out on my own because, right. you know, why would they give us the answers? This is, this There'd is for no, us to figure yeah, out. Yeah. There'd be no point to it all. Yeah. It's like, we have to earn, we have to work to earn our knowledge, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but, uh, so right. Where, where was I going with that? You're talking uh, about explaining the it. conscience. Yeah. 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 So, I think the a simple metaphor for it is that, like, you know, that classic, like, angel and demon on your shoulder? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are, there are entities that... Uh, so I'm learning more, too, that there's, like, actually... So there's, there's our ancestors who uh, are somehow, like, spiritually involved in us, mm-hmm. like, the, like our bloodline. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow like, so ancestral healing and ancestral work is really important. And I think that's where a lot of depression and anxiety issues today are coming from mm-hmm. because nobody even like other cultures like China and, you know, even like in Mexico and stuff, they have a day to honor their ancestors and think about the, uh, the, their past answers. They set out food and things like right. that, you know? But in America, we don't do that shit. We're like our ancestors, what, you know, right. and most of us like are estranged from our families anyways. Yep. So, yep. It's, I think this is like, we're, we're in this big tangled web of like spiritual fucked upness because yeah. we're, we're <laughs> unaware of even how to, how to do it. Um, but I think that they're, in addition to the ancestors, they, they're kind of, they help you guide you through problems and stuff. Um, but some of your ancestors, they're not in a healed space. So you might get some, some very chaotic messages sent your way mm-hmm. and i and i think that a, lo- a big part of how deities or energies can talk to us is through emotion that's like the language we feel their thoughts mm. you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. does that make sense yeah um so they guided us to this book on uh comedic ritual uh so it's comedic is like an ancient egyptian religion oh wow uh, and it's about like basically there's this whole spirit realm that has a hierarchy and it, it's basically ran just like our realm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the physical plane of, you know, there's a government, there's this thing, and it goes all the way down to, you know, I don't know, everybody has their own job and things. Right. So the spirit realm is run like that. Um, but the, t- the physical realm is only 10% of, like, the whole. Mm-hmm. And then the spirit realm is actually 90%. So I think that, so when we die, we go back to that spirit plane. And I think that we interact with these deities or energies or something and we make deals with them or they sort of spiritually invest in us. Uh-huh. And then, and then when we're reincarnated into a body, it almost like a dream, we pass through this veil and when we like awake into life, we forget. So when you're in the spirit plane, your soul ha- remembers all of your past lives mm-hmm. and like all of that knowledge. But when you incarnate into a body, you forget 
And that's what Kemeticism says. Mm. And there's also all of the stuff about offering, uh, offering things to the God. So because it's not like a, whereas most religions, you just pray and you ask for something and it's like, it happens. No, there's, there's a way to work directly with energies by offering them things because in the spirit plane, the currency is energy, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that, that like makes sense to me mm-hmm. <laughs> in a sense, if we're trying to de- explain whatever this thing is that, that we exist in. Um, I mean, it's, that's kind that is kind of like, uh, in, I think traditional magic and occultism, that's, that's not an uncommon thing to call upon certain entities and, offer them things, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, I, 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 it's not like unheard of, Yeah, you know, and in um, the different kind of different, um, spiritual disciplines are just kind of different flavors of the same thing, really, you know, and mm-hmm. like you're saying, culturally yep. they're different. And, and, and also they're, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will be like, oh, it's just a bunch of bullshit. But the thing, the mm-hmm. thing is, I mean, and you, you know, that's fine if you want to think that, um, mm-hmm. the thing, yeah, totally. the thing the thing that I always think is that all of this stuff is completely beyond human comprehension. And so anytime I think, hear, think about or hear about a spiritual uh, discipline or a or a magic system, it's like, that is, that is a system that is organized in a way that we can, speak about it and talk about it and think about it and act on it. But it's not necessarily because it's not necessarily totally that way in -hmm. in what would be the ultimate reality. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's almost like it's another, like, whereas reality is kind of this operating system. That's the Mm -hmm. way I see it. It's like the reality we live on is an operating system Mm -hmm. for this thing that we're in called life mm-hmm. and it's almost like these other dimensions or spiritual things are are like uh different operating systems that access different parts of reality or something mm-hmm. you know yeah. what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like i think it's easier for maybe an agnostic person to accept something like that to to view it in a way that's it's a little less like you know concrete this is how it is Sure. Being X is, you know, lives over here and does this and mm-hmm. you do this. And it's like, it's more like, you know, this is the best we can understand this thing that is actually real behind the mm-hmm. veil, but it's like, you couldn't talk about it. There's no words for mm-hmm. any of it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And then that's kind of like how I'm crafting irreverentism is that like, so the surface of irreverentism is all practical advice. Mm-hmm. Like, because like I've been, we've been like following practical advice and like it's, we've been improving our lives just by following like practical advice. Right. So that's the surface. And so the thing is that I'm learning from these energies is that like, you don't have to be spiritual. Like you don't have to like worship, you know, religion is super fucking personal. Like right. it's, I think it's as personal to each of us as our own DNA or our own fingerprint. Mm-hmm. And because we all have these different energies and ancestors and things around us. And that's why we all take different life paths and there's different things that are important to us. So it's, that's why mainstream religion fails because mm-hmm. everybody expects a group to think one way right when when it's no, it's, you have to find out what personally works for you. Right. There's it's so, too much dogma. 
Yeah, for sure. So, so what I'm trying to do is like, I'm trying to disseminate my, what I'm experiencing in life and, and hope that if something resonates with somebody, then like you take it and you run with it and you, you learn from that, like yourself, because like, like what I'm learning is that the gods or these energies or deities, like they want, they want mankind to believe in itself, you know? Mm. And and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You remember when you take that leap of faith, fortune favors the bold, you know, mm-hmm. it's and then somehow things work out for you, like against all odds, somehow right. things work out. And I th- I truly think that that is you investing your your mind and your intent and you're actually manifesting it in this reality because yeah. you're intent on it. Definitely. And and I think that there's a whole intricate system of spirituality that is involved in that that we can only even begin to understand right but but again if Rani like she was channeling and she she told me like if you're a painter do you need to read the ingredients on a can of paint right like exactly like making a painting that's like, a great analogy you just need yeah, to know the and, color you don't know how exactly. you need to know how and, it was made how to, and you know that you dip your brush in that color and like it's it, what matters is what you do with the color right you know and so I think that there are levels like what Rani does. She's she works much more deeper on a deeper spiritual level with like ritual and things like that. Mm-hmm. But so the Yoruban tradition is this is where they kind of started us. So the the messed up thing is like when it, everybody talks religion or theology, it's it's just like Eastern or Western right. theologies. But like nobody ever really talks about like the African theologies, right? Which are yeah. which are like like uh, the Orisha and the Yoruba culture, like. All of the gods and deities, they're, they're all like very relatable because they all have flaws and things mm. like the, the creator God, Abatala, he his compassion for mankind comes from his own acknowledgement of his own flaws. Mm. Wow. And it's like, which I'm like, shit, like I can believe in that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, like yeah. trying to believe in some like stuffy white bearded dude that just is supreme and perfect. Right. It's, it's not relatable. and doesn't make any sense. You right. Know? Right. Yeah, I mean that, that that all the a lot of the Christian stuff. It's like that stuff was just the fact that they use the word Lord. That was mm-hmm. you know, it's like that was their social system back then. You know, there was mm-hmm. kings. He's the king of kings. They had kings back then. That was the best analogy they could come up with for this mm-hmm. thing that no one can understand. Oh, he's the king of the universe. You know, he's yep. the Lord of the universe. It's like all that language is it's steeped in this old language that doesn't make any sense anymore. Yeah. You know? and, and I think that they were actually interacting with these energies. But right. also the energies that like you have to think, like, what if you were them? You'd have to come to humanity in a way that they would understand. Right. You right. Exactly. I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. So so religion and like the past like i think it i think there is a unified theory of religion and i think that all of the main like documented mainstream religions i think those are just different parts of the history of humankind's interaction with the other side right yeah so it, like we're dropping labels and we're ju- we're just saying mankind interacting with the other side mm-hmm. you know yeah right. i think that all of those theologies are documented cases of that and what i'm learning is that you know if if technology and mankind would develop, why why wouldn't religion? Why why is everybody stuck looking at these books written and reinterpreted like through like this game of historical telephone right. and taking that shit as fact? You right, know what I mean? right, like, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. It goes against progress. Yeah. So I think that absolutely. I think there is some kind of big shift happening, and I mean this shit like came out of nowhere. Like I wasn't expecting it, and then next thing you know, like 
I, you know, Randy is channeling things and like, like things are, are happening, you know, like right. there's proof to me. And that's the thing is I don't expect anyone to believe me. I like, I actively encourage everyone, like, listen to what I have to say. And until something in your life proves it to you, then you can start believing. Don't take what I'm saying right. as proof, you know? Right, right. Because again, that's where mainstream religion fails. Like you got one dude saying, this is how it is. And, and you should believe me. And, you know, and then yeah. everybody's. And if you don't, you go to hell. Yeah, but it's it's I don't think it's like that at all. I think we're stuck in this like reincarnation loop. And again, the the Yoruban culture and society, all of the Orisha, they used to be human beings. And right. through whatever means, whatever their actions on Earth, they ascended to like godhood or Orisha. So let's look at that. Like, what if our actions here like what is even getting into heaven? What would that even look like? You just go to this perfect place that's like perfect and everything is provided for. Would you really, does anybody really want that? Right, right. <laughs> Spend eternity <clears throat> in perfection. It sounds like a nightmare to me. Yeah, it <laughs> sounds boring. It sounds boring as hell. And, and it's yeah. funny because the, you know, it's, it's kind of an absurd notion that doesn't make sense anymore. And then, so there's also this like huge atheist reaction as well now to where it's like, oh, nothing, there's no magic in anything. It's all just a bunch of dead stuff nope. and it's like to me that's i mean i've i'm kind of i'm very sympathetic to the whole atheist thing because of the mm -hmm. stranglehold that uh religion and specifically christianity has over the west and for yep. so long has so i i get it and i and i'm and i'm with them but at the mm -hmm. same time i've had so much weird shit and kind of magical stuff happen to me there's just no way i'm not i mean it's i know it's true mm -hmm. i don't fully understand it but I know that it's there and it's real, like, yeah, you know, for sure. And, and I mean, have you <clears throat> have you looked into chaos magic very much? Do you know much about chaos magic? No, I mean, because, I know like D and D chaos magic, but because <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, the the idea chaos magic, I think, was developed in the seventies. I forget the guys' names, and I think the the idea was that they, you know, I'm probably getting a lot of this wrong, but the general idea was that all systems of magic, which are basically setting an intent to create mm -hmm. a desired result. You know, mm -hmm. that's it. Um, meditation is a form of magic. Uh, prayer mm -hmm. is a form of magic. It's all, you know, it's, this spirit, it's a spiritual technology or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, their whole thing was when you're doing, you know, ceremonial magic in whatever discipline you're using, any, it, it's, it's, Basically, what you're doing is focusing your intent on something, your own personal energy. Mm -hmm. Your intent is being focused on something to manifest it. So the basic idea is that we are inherently creative beings and we are creating our reality. Mm -hmm. And so once you become aware of that, you can start kind of creating what you want to create instead of what your subconscious is constantly creating uh, you know, because mm -hmm. your subconscious is all scattered and focused on things you don't want to happen. And you're kind mm -hmm. of almost like making them happen in a way because mm -hmm. you're focused on them so much. Absolutely. And, and so they, uh, Peter Carroll, I think, is one of the guys who, who came up with it. But anyway, this whole cha chaos magic idea is more like, it's kind of like you could sort of design your own magical system if you're creative enough. Yeah. And, and, and if it works, it works. And, and you don't need to know how it works. Yep. You you just you you try it by testing it out. You come up with ideas and being artists, I think you know we have like an edge over people that aren't super creative because mm -hmm. you know we get ideas and we you know ideas come to us so we can go you know I want to start this kind of 
like you're saying, you want to start this religion or whatever, this philosophy, this mm-hmm. belief, belief system. And, mm-hmm. and the basic, you know, um, me- mechanism that's making it work is you, mm-hmm. is the person. And yep. all the other stuff, like the, the energies, the beings, those are tools to help us make the in, to manifest the intention. Mm-hmm. You know, even if they're, even if it's total bullshit, it's still, you're, it's, it's a way to make the thing work within you. So it's like, we're kind of, that's basically the idea of chaos magic is that you're doing it. Yeah. You're, and I, you know, that, that I, I'm going to start doing some reading about that. Cause that kind of parallels exactly what I'm saying too, is that like with the, you know, with the reverentism, my, like practical, it's practical ways of thinking about your mind and the spirit realm is at work, whether you believe in it or not. Mm-hmm. But what you can control is how you think about your own mind and your own capabilities. Right. So I think like depression and anxiety and things like that, I think that those are a very specific set of entities. I think they're the darker entities and That's, what do you, you know, call them? Demons? Yeah. I you mean, know, I, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I, I just I, I, it's like I, I've talked about this with friends of mine. It's like especially when it comes to addiction problems and stuff. It's like mm-hmm. have you ever known anyone that that is like a serious drug addict. It is like they're possessed. It's like yeah. it's you hear a voice. It's and, crazy. And it's, it's like yeah. the person is gone and something else is there. And, and mm-hmm. it's a, it's an apt analogy <laughs> whether yeah. you know so it's and we, we always we define it like why do we always say it it's our our own personal demons and things like mm-hmm. that it's because like i i truly believe there is there is something outside of ourselves that is that is sneaking those thoughts into our heads and telling us we can't or you know or even just affecting our mood so if you even if let's say you don't necessarily actually believe in all of the spirit stuff I'm saying, Mm -hmm. but if you look at that situation and you feel those feelings, but then you separate yourself from them and you think of them as an external entity, well, now you have something to overcome. Right. Rather than thinking that you're just a fucked up person and you feel this way because I feel this way, you know, it's like almost you're just giving up. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, whether you believe it's actually something else or not, if you think about it that way, then that can help you overcome that feeling and maybe like get you out of your funk right. because you're thinking it's something external. Because the problem is we feel all this fucked up sort of ways all the time. And but and we we're so confused because we think that might be us. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't know. So I think if we just like start redefining the way that we think about our own minds and then and then if like that starts working for you and then you want to start delving into the more spiritual aspects of it. Well, like I'm here and we could talk about it, you know. But right. I'm never forcing anything on anybody. I'm just trying to like disseminate. Here's practical advice and ways of thinking. And then maybe some other external factors like synchronicities or things like that will start happening to you. And then you'll be like more interested in the spirit side of it. You right, know? It's right. like I'm not, I'm not out to like change anybody's mind or, you know, I'm just out to get people to think. Right. Because I think like because everybody stopped thinking. And that's that's the thing, too, because I sympathize with the atheist, too, because I was there for so long because it's like, why? Why are things so shitty? And but and religion, especially Christianity, has really kind of fucked up like anybody even wanting to talk about spirituality. I know religion (laughs) is just it's just a volatile topic as politics nowadays. Right. And I think 
the reason why I'm just trying to start this movement is because I want at least people thinking about their own personal spirituality again, because, because Christianity or just the shitty things that mankind has done in the name of religion has ruined spirituality for everybody. And that's a real shame if right. you let other shitty people like affect something that should be so personal and so fulfilling to you. Right. You know, so yeah, that's, yeah. that's my goal. Is uh, yeah. to get, just get people thinking and about it again, right? Yeah, I think that um, I a, 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 I think that's a, like a really big part of what's wrong in the world today is that we are cut off from the the magic or the spirituality or that that part of us because it's you know you've you've had experiences I've had experiences to, in my mind like I said it's absolutely a hundred percent it's it's real whatever it is it is real there's this thing mm -hmm. there's this thing every time I used to trip when, when I would trip on acid it would be like mm -hmm. oh yeah it's real you know yep. I, I would say I would put it in the terms of like oh God is definitely real it's a real thing you know uh -huh. what it is who knows it could be the, the unified energy field or whatever you want to call it these are all mm -hmm. just man-made terms but whatever that thing is it's absolutely real. And mm -hmm. if we're not, um, it's really about how you're uh, interfacing with this thing. Yep. And, you know, and you have to talk about it in some way, mm -hmm. somehow, just to like wrap your head around it or get in touch with it. And I think that a lot of the, a lot of the problems we're having is because, you know, there's, 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 there's no soul in anything anymore. It's all mm -hmm. completely, you know, I think it's, it's weird that there's this whole kind of fascist right-wing swing happening all over the world right now and it's like it's 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 at a time when materialism is at like an all-time high it's like we are mm -hmm. just materialism in the sense that we think this is it this mm -hmm. physical world this is all there is this is all yep. there is and it's like we're believing in this thing and and it's no i don't think it's any coincidence that this kind of right-wing populism and this kind of fascist white nationalism things going on everywhere. If you look at politics, mm -hmm. it's happening all over the world. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, it's a manifestation of that, of being too far to one side, the, yep. you know, too far in the, in the material world in a sense, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's why that's also like, I want to start rallying the artist and the, you know, all of the, the creatives and stuff, because we could swing back just equally as hard. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. And it's like, but the problem is, is that everybody feels so defeated and like we've I just see everybody's Facebook posts of like, you know, like brilliant, creative, cool people that just feel so defeated. Mm -hmm. And it's like everybody is just thinking that we're just like we're just becoming complacent observers in our own reality. Right. And everybody's forgetting the fact that every single person has the ability to enact like huge change. Right. You know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's all about the intent. Right. And right. Well, that's, so, that's, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. That's cool that you're doing that. I, I, I think that, I mean, this is, I think this is what, uh, this is what we're here for as, as artists, you know, mm -hmm. it's to kind of, to, uh, to, to kind of, I don't want to say show a new way because that's really cheesy, but to come up with new ideas, to come up mm -hmm. with new ideas, creative ideas, and, you know, the kind of the, the way I, what I'm, the way I do it, it's like, I feel like as long as I'm true to my artwork, mm -hmm. 
it's something is going to come out of that somehow because that, because as long the thing is, it's like, you just have to follow your nose, (laughs) you know, it's like, find Mm -hmm. the thing you love to do and then follow that thing. Find the thing first. You have to, you have to really understand who you are as a person, understand yourself, and then really try and understand what it is you really want, what you really love. Because sometimes you think you love something and you want something and it's not really what's in your heart because you don't even know yourself that well because we're all so confused, you know. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> once you can once you get to that point where you really are sure you know you know what your thing is, you follow that thing and that something that will contribute to the positivity and the positive spirituality on this planet somehow. And mm-hmm. and and you don't need to know what it is. You just need to fo- kind of have faith in it mm-hmm. and faith in yourself and in that thing that you believe in and just follow that. And, you know, all kinds of weird shit will happen. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> yep. it's I'm t- and it's like, and there you'll like through your own work and following your true path, whatever that is, you'll, you'll like the proof of spirituality will make itself known to you. Right. You know? And it, I think that I think a lot of people are unhappy today also because they're, they're not following their path. I think right. that they, there's, there's the, again, it goes back to that calling that, that we, I think everybody has a calling. It's just whether or not you want to listen to it or not. Right. And if you're, if you're happy where you are in life right now, then good, keep fucking doing what you're doing. Right. But if you're unhappy, then you really need to step back, be really honest with yourself and figure out what it is that like, if you, Drop away all of the emotions, all of the stress, all of the I got to pay rent, all of the just like strip all that down to like you. Where's that? What's what is you? Right. And what would what would that you be doing right now if it could do anything? Right. Exactly. That's the question. What would I be doing if I could do anything I want? That's kind of like the starting point. That's and that's why I think meditation is really important mm-hmm. um, because the whole point of meditation is to kind of decondition yourself from constantly thinking all the time, Mm -hmm. because you've got all these crazy thoughts in your head. You can't think straight. You can't pick one thing and go, okay, I'm going to carefully consider it because it's like, blah, 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 blah. You suck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're going to, can't pay the bills. The world's going to end climate change. Donald Trump's president, blah, blah, blah. Just like (laughs) barrage of bad shit in your head constantly. And, and when you meditate, um, regularly, like, like you're working out, like, like an exercise regimen, you, your mind becomes, uh, you get, you get to that, you, you get, you get to the core of who you are, which is your, uh, like pure consciousness, your, mm-hmm. your, your truest self, which is just your, your, that, that little dot inside of you. That's just pure consciousness. And from that point, you can kind of figure out what it is that you want, what it is you're supposed to be doing or what you want to do with, with your life, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of those things again, that's like, that sounds cliche. Uh, (laughs) It's like, that is like kind of, that's, if you could just do just that thing. (laughs) Right. Right. And then, then you'll know, and then you can just start. And then if, once you start following your true path, things fucking fall into place, man. Like you just, Anybody that's ever successful, you can interview them. They just took the chance and they did it and things fell into place for them. And it's like, and for me, I believe that there are external forces that are helping us along with Mm -hmm. that, also trying to hinder us. But, you know, the the darker entities or the demons, I look at them as the, uh, why do we work out? Why do we work our bodies out with weights? Because resistance builds muscle. Right. Yeah. So 
the demons or the demon energies are in charge of standing in our way, telling us we're not good enough, like being that resistance, because when we overcome them, then we grow. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the Jacob's Ladder, you know, Jacob's Ladder, the, the, that movie, Jacob's Ladder. Have you seen Jacob's I, I, I never saw it. But oh, yeah. my God. You have to see, it. The guy, to see it. The guy who wrote it is is actually a Buddhist, a Zen oh. Buddhist. Yeah, and it's full of like this, all all kinds of underlying um, spirituality in it. It's really it's yes. really great. Yeah, but it, it yeah, it's amazing. But there's there's this one um, line in it where where the this guy is quote, quoting uh, Meister Eckert, which which you should look up also if you don't know Meister Eckert. He was like a philosopher, spiritual guy from I don't know the. 40s or the 20s or something but anyway he he's talking about um there's just just this great scene everybody who's seen it knows it where he's he's talking about he's giving this quote which is uh, uh talking about when a person dies they see a bunch of demons coming after them to drag them down to hell but when when they just relax and let go they realize that the the demons were angels kind of in disguise trying to trying to get them to let go of their life you know mm-hmm. to get to, to, so they could go on to the, like a, the better thing, mm-hmm. and, and it's like it, I, lo- I love that idea that 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 the the demons are are good in a mm-hmm. way in that sense. Yeah. So, you know, it's like or that negative because you can take that into regular life and you can kind of say all the assholes that I encounter, these people that I'm so pissed off about because they screwed me. Those people were put there so that I could overcome them and be mm-hmm. a better person. And so it's like you know they they did me that favor. You yep. know, I appreciate that asshole. That was really cool of him to do. You know, even mm-hmm. on yeah, a, on totally. a certain level, my my biological father was so fucked up. Like he was just fucked up emotionally, mm-hmm. and he he was probably bipolar, never diagnosed, mm-hmm. and and um, <clears throat> caused me all kinds of tra- emotional trauma in my life. And and uh, I I like to look at it just as a just as a perspective to have. Mm-hmm. I, I sometimes I like to go, you know, he, imagine I what if he what if he, you know, and I'm not saying it's true by any means. I'm saying it's just kind of like a way of looking at it. What if he gave up his whole life to he, like he went through all, all of his own personal abuse, had this shitty ass life because he was actually being this important obstacle in my life that I had to get over to make me who I was because now I'm happy. Like I'm happy where I'm at. And so I'm appreciative of all the shit that I had to go through. And I think, wow, man, instead of thinking of my dad as like this complete fuck up, it's like, maybe he was like a holy man that was so like his incarnation. He was at such a high level that he gave his whole life and suffered his whole life to give his son his thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, that's insane that you're like, that you're even bringing this up it's synchronistic like i've spent the whole day like thinking about like because like i'm kind of estranged from my dad right now and Mm -hmm. it's like it wasn't always that way but yeah he's like never had a relationship with them as a kid Mm -hmm. and that was one of the main driving forces for me to come out here like i like my dad was like we just i just didn't know the guy and yeah put me through all of this like emotional turmoil fucks, fucks you up yeah. And then, but luckily I had my mom who was like the shining glimmering right. light of like, she was so encouraging. Same like, here. Same here. She got like, I got in trouble for drawing monsters in school. Well, she would come in, they'd call her in and then yeah. they're like thinking I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. And my mom's like, tear him a new asshole, right? 
So uh, he could be the next Stephen King. Yeah. You know? And then the teacher. My mom would do the same say. thing. I remember <laughs> my mom went and yelled at a teacher for ripping up one of my drawings. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, you know? that was, that was, like that was like such an amazing, like uplifting contrast to like whatever I experienced with my father. Mm. But that what I experienced with him equipped me with so many skills in life and it hardened me. Right. And it gave me that drive. I had the support from my mom and then the absence of the father was, you know, that was like the perfect storm. Right. So, so do I, do I hate my dad and do I, do I continue to hate him and do I continue to keep in a strange relationship or do I just kind of accept that like, it was what whatever you needed. he did, it's what I needed. Right. Yeah. And it's heavy. And right. I, yeah, <laughs> and it's, it sure is, man. And I th- like, it goes hand in hand too with like the ancestral work we've been doing too. It's like, I think my ancestors want me to rekindle a relationship with my dad. Right. And, but it's like tough because I'm trying to think about how to even do that. And I think like what you're saying now is like, it's a big key to that. It's like, that might have just been what we needed. And does that make them evil or, or bad that their actions or lack thereof turned us into really good people? Right. I mean, in a way it's like, that was kind of the best parenting they could have done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you get to a point where you're, where you kind of have your, your, you're happy with yourself, I think when you get to a point where you're happy with yourself, you can look back and start to appreciate all of the um, obstacles you had and all the people that, you know, did terrible things to you because it put you where you are today. You wouldn't be here without all of that, that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not obstacles. I keep saying obstacles. I can't think of the word. Um, ah, it's on the tip of my tongue. I hate when that resistance. happens. Resistance? Kind of not resistance. Yeah. There's, uh, I, people are probably going to be listening, yelling it out because everyone thinks, <laughs> can think of it. But yeah, it's point. Doesn't matter what the word is. Point being that I think once you once you come to a place where you're happy with where you're at, you can appreciate everything that that got got you there and it, you know mm-hmm. and at this point in my life i i try to be mindful enough to to be grateful even when bad things happen to me that's the mm-hmm. it's tricky but i try and do that like i think it's okay i appreciate whatever this is doing for me right now i know it feels bad but but i'm grateful for it because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to have an opportunity to even overcome something bad or have someone screw me over that I cared about, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cause I mean, would to be honest, would any of us want a perfect life? Yeah. Talk about boring. Like, it would be boring as shit, you know? Yeah. And like, I, I think at one time life in, in existence or human humans existence, it was perfect. And I think people got fucking bored yeah. and then shit, shit went down and, you know, and then we've, I, cause I think the past has been way more advanced than we are even today, mm-hmm. but that's a whole other story. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think that people, if you, if you start looking at every obstacle as a challenge and as an opportunity to learn and grow, mm-hmm. It makes again. It's just a practical way to reevaluate your station in life, right. and and you look at it as like look at the obstacles in your life as placed there by something else intentionally right. to stop you, and like do these do these demons or demonic into do they want us to fail? Well, only if if we deserve it, right? Yeah. But the the great part about is we decide if we deserve it or not. 
Right. So it's like we are essentially the devils of our own hell. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. totally. I, I remember one time I um, I had this this trip and I, I had this vision of like a – it was uh what was it it was a cat it was all it was really cool looking it was all like really cartoony cut mm-hmm. out it was like a black castle on a hill all just like black everything was black and it was like a cutout almost like a construction paper cut out of this castle up on a hill and then kind of like green and purple lights were coming out and like the of these like crazy demons were flashing like from behind the castle and it was like this this represented the the um like demons that were keeping you from realizing god or meeting god and the the, the reason they were there they weren't real they were these like gargoyles in a sense to keep the people that didn't have the guts to get past them because if you if you don't have the guts you don't deserve the prize if you don't have the 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 courage you don't deserve to see God and connect with God. And so those things, the, the, the demons were like, uh, the, these like, like scarecrows, mm-hmm. you know, to keep the wrong people out. Basically yeah. <laughs> it was all, and it was like an ana- symbolic analogy of, yeah. You Dude, know. that's, it's nuts that you mentioned that because like when I was talking about that dark period of art in my teens, uh, I used to also like dream journal mm-hmm. a lot. Um, don't know why I did. I just always had a fascination with dreams. Yeah, that's, and, that's part um, of a, a magical practice too. That's like a totally yep. a, one of the things you're supposed to do when you start doing chaos magic is every day you got to record your dreams. Yeah. And that's, I've recently got back to doing that, but I went back and I read it and, um, basically I think I was chronicling my time in like, I have a theory. This is just a theory that I'm working on is that I think that there's a place that's like hell, but I think, I think it's the waiting place from, oh, the places you will go. Uh-huh. Or, or is that line where it's like everybody's just waiting, waiting for something, waiting for something. And I think that they're like on your spiritual journey, I think you end up in a place like that. And the only way to get out is to have the mental fortitude to decide to go to get out. Right. But but it's like everybody just like convinces themselves that there's no way out or they get confused or something. But I think if you have the tenacity that's how you get out of hell. And then that's, I don't know, you go on to what's better, you know, but it's, again, it's like, it's just this facade that's there to scare you. Right. But if you just start walking, you know, like (laughs) just walk right through it. But then everybody, because there was, I was this dream and I was seeing these colorful kids off in the distance and everything was black and white. And I was asking like, how do I get out of here? And then like, they're like, oh, you'll see. But everybody around me like wouldn't like, they wouldn't get out and I couldn't wait. Like right. essentially they were like zombies and I couldn't get them to like, guys, we got to go. <laughs> and, and I think that I was like writing, remembering my times there. And, uh, it's interesting now because like I'm doing this series of sculptures called the Gede. Um, and Gede and voodoo are spirit souls that like have no one left to remember them. And mm. they're just like super party spirits. Like they, they love, uh, float like the energies of parties and things like that. Um, that's cool. 
But Rani actually creates the little, I call them their hearts, but she's a mojo pouch. So she imbues that with the, the essence of these, because I draw them. And I think that that's how they talk to me is like, I'm drawing them. And then I have Rani channel more direct messages for like their likes and dislikes and things. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I make these little uh, gay day sculptures, but they're actually the home for a gay day spirit. Oh, cool. And uh, so you can offer offer it some of its favorite, like like half a shot of rum or something right. once a week or something. And and for most people, you could call it luck or good fortune or whatever. But to me, I think it's like it's actually coming with you're buying a sculpture that comes with the spirit guide that actually like it's a friend on on the other side. That's great. That's so, super cool. Yeah. So it's it's another like fun way that I can like get people back to spirituality. Right. And, you know, like if you buy the sculpture and, you know, something something starts happening, then there's your proof. You right, know, right. And and I, I wonder if these sculptures I like I wonder if these are the people that I was dreaming about because I told him I'd come back for him. And I'm wondering that if this is like my way of helping people that are on the other side is like giving them a, a point of focus in this reality that people can put their intention towards. And, you know, like, I don't know, remember something, you know what I mean? Right, right. Like I'm well, essentially creating an avatar for a spirit that is, is, gives it a way that someone can remember them in this existence. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? No, that's cool. You know, one thing I was thinking when you were talking about that dream, um, you, the dream you had, uh-huh. you know, that also totally applies to being in Indiana <laughs> and having all your friends, all of you guys saying, we're going to go, we're going to leave. Oh and, shit! Yeah, you know, right. and then and then you're the only one that's like, "Hey, we got to go." And then you're the only one that goes because they're all too scared to go. You know? And then that also applies to what we we're talking about in the shop, like, right? You left because everybody right. there wants to do their own creative work, but yep. nobody really leaves, mm-hmm. dude. See, I think it's if we get it stuck in these cycles of things, that, yeah. Like, whether it's on the the other side or it's on this side, I, I it's we're creatures of habit. Yeah, and we get right. stuck in these cycles of and what it is, it's fear. Yeah, fear totally. keeps you from ascending up. You know, as, like, as the the Who song says, "Fear is the key to your soul." Yeah, <laughs> that's the, and that's that's the other cool spiritual connection with dark art is the fear thing because that was for me when I was going through. You know, you had you're having this like spiritual awakening right now. I had this in, uh, I talk about this all the time. I talked about it in the documentary. I had that in 87 when I took acid for the first time. It was Mm -hmm. like happened over a summer and it was like, I I that's why I know exactly what you're talking about with all this stuff. It's like, I I had that happen to me. I I know what it's like. It's crazy. It's great. It's amazing. It's fun. It's scary. It's super cool. Um, and, uh, that but that was the thing that kept coming up. That was like the thing. The thing is fear, 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 fear is the problem. Fear is the fear is the mind killer. You know, fear, fear is the mm-hmm. thing that's stopping everyone from moving forward. It's fear. It's mm-hmm. it, and that's what is such, such a cool thing with the dark art and the monsters. Is it kind of we're like confronting fear directly in a way, or indirectly, I guess we're confronting fear and making scary things less scary in a way. You know, mm-hmm. trying to incorporate them into regular culture or trying to say it's okay to to like the scary things and not be afraid of them, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so there is this really spiritual aspect of the whole dark art movement and the monster mm-hmm. thing and everything. You know, it's, it's somehow, I'm not, I'm not sure how, but it's connected to this issue that we have as 
of fear and that and this fear mm-hmm. it's like it's this you know it's we used to need fear because that's how you didn't get your ass killed by a, a tiger or a lion or a woolly mammoth or whatever the fuck was out there mm-hmm. um back you know when we were monkey man living out in the in the jungle you needed mm-hmm. fear you needed fear yeah. to survive and 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 i i believe that that's the that's the thing that we need to get past to evolve is fear it's like mm-hmm. we have to you have to do it anyway courage mm-hmm. isn't courage isn't not being afraid courage is doing it anyway that's what mm-hmm. courage is it's doing it even though you're afraid so it's like that's all you have to do you just have like you yep. said you just have to walk out of the room mm-hmm. you just have to do it even though <laughs> yeah. you're afraid it's so easy you know it's like the easiest thing in the world but it's the thing that's holding everybody down i think yeah you know and but also if you look at it on a on a grand scale uh, it's the, it's the great equal. It's, it keeps balance. Cause can right. you imagine what the, what would the world be like if every single person achieved their goal? Right. Right. It's like, I, it just, it couldn't happen. Like I, I truly believe that everybody has the potential to succeed and get whatever they want out of life, but not everybody has the fortitude in this lifetime. Right. I think that, I think that comes from multiple lifetimes. I think that you live and then you try like, Maybe you've, maybe you switched up the pattern. Maybe you finally took that chance, you know, or, or you didn't. And then, and then you die and then it starts over again. And then you have a whole lifetime of other possibilities and opportunities to, to go for it, you know, but if everybody went for it all at once, then we would have insanity and chaos. Yeah. Yeah. But well, I mean, you, it's not even like that would be possible to even happen you know it's like you couldn't make it all make it happen but for but for the individual person who's wanting to better themselves you know do it anyway find the thing you love and do it anyway even though you're afraid don't let fear stop you if anybody that's listening and like these words like resonate you know it's like maybe it's your time to just do that thing right but like fucking go for it and and shit will fall into place i guarantee you yeah <laughs> like it, and you might and that's the thing too you got to be ready to adapt and change right. because your path to success is not as straightforward as you always think it is right, right. you are you are going to go on a roller coaster but if you know that going into it then you're much more prepared right <laughs> you know yeah I mean? yeah yeah you have to be flexible totally that's one thing that uh, i remember hearing I used to listen to a lot of Alan Watts. I don't know if you ever heard of Alan. Have you ever listened to Alan Watts? Mm-mm. Oh, you got to listen to Alan Watts. It was, he was like the first guy to bring um, Zen philosophy to the West in like the 50, nice. 50s. And he was doing that all through the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And um, he's just amazing speaker, like makes things so easy to understand. The whole Zen. I, I've always been really into Zen, Zen and uh, yeah, Alan Watts. He's tons of recordings on YouTube now, tons and tons and tons, because he he did tons of lectures and wrote a bunch of books and everything. But um, that's one thing he taught about uh, uh, with the whole Zen philosophy. It's like you just you got to be flexible. You have to be flexible. You can't be rigid. You have to, you know, follow the path of least resistance and and be willing to do whatever. You know, mm-hmm. see where the path is going to take you and don't get hung up on you had it. A, you th- had in your mind the specific thing you were going to get. But, you know, it you can you can spend your whole life fighting against 
this idea you have when really it's more about letting go and and being flexible and trusting in your life, like trusting mm-hmm. in reality instead of trying to fight against it. Yeah. yeah. Rani, uh, she, she gives me this, uh, a really good analogy too. It's like, you can't change the direction of the wind, but you can change the direction of your sails. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, we are all sort of at the whim of uh, the current. Right. <laughs> But it's like we just got to keep if we keep our little rafts on the river, then we're going to keep moving forward. The problem right. is if you get caught up on a rock or you, right. you, you beach yourself or something, it's like then you don't go anywhere. It's like right. all we have to do is keep navigating so that we keep on the on the river. Exactly. You know? exactly. And then we'll end up somewhere. Yeah. I don't know where that'll be, but, it, you know, you'll get somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you'll be you'll you'll have gotten forward to some degree. <laughs> Well, we're at, that was really a fascinating talk. We're at, we're at just about two hours, so I don't want to uh, keep you anymore. But um, I really appreciate appreciate you coming on. That was really a super interesting discussion. Yeah, dude, Dyke, I, I feel much more inspired, and uh, you know, excellent. Now that we've had that talk, like that was that was therapeutic for me. I was excellent. Good. <laughs> I think I think I kind of needed to hear what we were talking about. To, you know, you ever oh, like, good. yeah? Does that ever happen to you? It's oh like, yeah, for sure. These things all the time. Then you start saying it out loud, and then I'm hearing your take on it too, and it's like. Oh yeah, it's right. To, I've got to follow my own advice, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One thing before we go, I want you to talk uh-huh. about that that this red woman behind you. Oh Cause, yeah, because I'm going to post that on Patreon because that is so cool. I just that thing is, I just love it. It's amazing. Yeah. So I I don't know her story yet, but uh, I've always had anxiety about reaching into a room to turn off a light. Ah. Um. So like I'd always put my full body in, turn off the light, and then step out. Uh huh. Um. But one night I had particular uh, high anxiety about it, but I reached in and I swiped the light off and I could have swore something like brushed against my hand. Uh-huh. So that night I'm sleeping and my arm is out and then I wake up and just for a quick, like right in between that state of dream and awake, like I saw the, her sitting on the bed, just like petting my hand and just smiling. At me. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> and yeah. And then she was just gone. And then somehow wow. I knew her name was uh, Magdalene or Maggie. And that's all I know about her now. But I'm like, especially now since I'm like delving headfirst into this spiritual stuff, like it's something, it's some kind of of force right. and I, and now I'm giving it a form yeah. and now it's, I'm sharing it with the world. So again, it's, it's the dark art. It's like, okay, I've channeled this weird energy into this thing. So right. now you guys can all experience it too. Yeah. <laughs> that's so thing. cool. So yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what she wants and all these things, but right. I believe that she exists. So. <laughs> and now well, she actually does. Yeah, she, I was going to say she's standing right behind you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for uh, coming on and uh, chatting. And um, everybody in out in the world, thank you for listening and taking the time. And thank you for supporting us. And please share the podcast. And if you can, donate to the Patreon for as little as a buck a month. But you got to get on Patreon, man. That's another thing we got to talk about, Sig. You got to... I'm telling you, you got to get on Patreon. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, that's uh, patreon.com slash darkartsociety. And uh, thank you for supporting. And I guess that's it. So thanks, Sig. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to hear me talk more about irreverentism and weird spiels and stuff, definitely uh, check out my podcast, Sputron. 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 You can't miss yeah. it. Just 
yep. search Spewtron. And, and, it's on and iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean, and all that stuff. Excellent. And like I said, we'll put all your links in the description and stuff. So I know. All right. Well, let's say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>